deep in London's beating heart lies a wall A locked door it be if you know the call For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin. Hello everyone and welcome to the Shrieking Shack This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans I am your host ZC And I'm Liz And Liz, how is life? Now the, the monkey's paw has fully curled. The last finger, the last monkey finger. I had to remember for a second if monkeys had fingers before remembering that, yes, that is mm-hmm. perhaps the defining trait right. of monkeys is that they have like normal hands. Yep. The last, the last digit on the monkey's paw is curled down and JK Rowling is, is back, is in her bag, is posting the Ichabog and being transphobic and is causing lots and lots of juicy drama in the mm-hmm. news. We we've kind of got all three like versions of JK Rowling back at once right now. How are you holding up? I want off the ride. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I I mean I unfollowed her, so that's been yeah. really great. Yes. Uh, but I do check in every now and again and mostly just feel frustrated mm-hmm. um, at at what I see more so than usual. But you're right. We do get the three the three versions we get. We get turf rolling. Um, she has also been kind of not quite doing the mic drop quote tweets of like Donald Trump, but definitely mm-hmm. starting to like. Hit him with those likes. So I think that we might be in for that coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, she seems to be casting a wider political net, which is that Donald Trump is stupid. That's um, right. I don't know if anyone's noticed. That guy, um, and he's freaking orange. He's freaking orange and so stupid, and that is the source of all our problems. That's right. So we, so we might see that coming back, and then... Of course, the trifecta, the sugary, sweet, mm, this dry, this fantastic Ichabog with his spines, and he's so scary. How are you 11 years old, little <laughs> Mikey? Um, so so it really is just a kind of triple triple punch combo. Um, yeah, that I that I now that I don't follow her and I'm not getting the a kind of holistic experience of what that's like on the mm-hmm. timeline. I, I kind of have to take it all at once. I have to take the big, the big drink of poison uh, every yeah. other day. Um, and it sucks. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's too much at once. I think, I think I've been able to handle one at a time mm. um, in the past sure. or, or none at all, which is often has often been the case on, you know, the timeline of this show, mm-hmm. but uh, her, her going, full throttle on everything at once. Um, do, you, do you think this is like the, you know, are, are these the death throes of a dying star? Like, like, do you think God, that I hope so. That's, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm, that may, maybe that's the lie I'm telling myself to make myself feel better, but that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm like, this is, she's acting out. She's playing too much. She's, she's on one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I, I get the feeling that like this, this has got to just be kind of like the last gas before some, some, something breaks. Mm. Um, at least in terms of like, you know, WB or or somebody making an announcement about about the future of of their their handling of the property, just because like 
there's the Stephen King thing is kind of what I'm what I'm what I'm dancing around here. Like the the Stephen King thing has got to have like that shit probably hurted for her. I, <laughs> I, I hope imagine. so. I hope so. Go, going back to what we were saying last week, I hope it hurts. But like this one's got to be big because they were, um, they were they were close. And and for her to throw this like early MySpace style tantrum where she like. <laughs> I I what a roller coaster. I'm going to start from the beginning here. This this weekend Stephen King uh uh, uh retweeted her latest or, or a piece of her latest um turf rant. Uh she 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 came back to Twitter, started talking. I I was at that point I was just kind of like I'm asleep. I don't care. She's yeah, just Yeah, I'm pretty signed out of it. At the point where it's just I I mean I I don't it's it's the cat's out of the bag, so I'm just yeah. not really interested because it just is the rote. I mean, yeah. you can find that thread on any turf every Twitter day. Account, so I'm just every like, hour someone whatever. is posting that same shit. Yeah, but the the the, the news started kind of ha- happening when Stephen King retweeted a piece of it, and at first I was like, oh no, not you too. I mean, like I, I know Stephen King is not like. <laughs> Not perhaps not like the, the the wokest author or whatever, but like, um, you know, I I I I was like, oh no, not not you going explicitly full on like battle turf mode as well. So I I may I I maybe 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 jump the gun a little bit and started posting some mean comments about Mr. King's work, which I still stand by. Actually, he, he his books are very long. Okay, the problem is when you release a book and it's already fucking 1,000 pages, The Stand, and then, <laughs> and then like, you you get famous enough that they're like, yeah, you can release the director's cut of this book and put in the 500 pages that we cut out. Yeah. No. Yep. They're cut out for a reason. <laughs> have you ever read the full edition of The Stand? Ah, uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, me too. I, uh, <laughs> that is that is a book that I fell asleep while reading. Not th- that's not the insulting part. I you know I was reading at night. I fell yeah, asleep while reading. Sure, but I did drop the full copy of the stand on my head one time. Youch. Yeah, that woke. Yeah, it's it's um, a good, it's it's pretty good. I mean, stand? yeah, I didn't, right. I, didn't, I didn't cut cut out those that extra. You don't need the director's cut. You do not need the extended <laughs> edition. I think uh, the I normal version of the stand is the no. way to read it. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> um so yeah so i i was like okay well this is how it's gonna go i'll you know i'll, I'll load up my i'll load up my revolvers and here we go i'm we're taking down our next target stephen king <laughs> next i have lots of mean jokes i can make about stephen king sure however a couple hours later jk rowling i guess th- th- this is so pathetic like just thinking about like the the stage that like jk rowling exists on and what she was doing here is so fucking funny she like screen capped stephen king's retweet of her and said like wow thank you stephen king for standing up for me or whatever standing up for women and standing up for sex-based rights that's right was this stephen king just like being oblivious and going like seeing a tweet that said like I support women's rights and and him going, me too. I will retweet that. (laughs) Or do you think that he laid this trap for her? Like, like, do you, do you think that he 
he was like, I'm going to get a sick dunk over on, on J.K. Rowling. So I... I'm excited to talk about this because I can't parse it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know very much about Stephen King. I've, you know, I read The Stand. I read The Shining. I read a couple of his short stories that I do think are better. And Maximum Overdrive is cool. Yeah, and that's about it. Like, that is the extent of my knowledge about Stephen King. Yeah. Um. So I can't, like, get in there and, mm-hmm. like... And, and like unpack what happened here because from the outside looking in um he just seems like a confused old man that doesn't know how to use twitter yeah. um and i would love if some real um stephen king fans or some st- stand heads headstands um <laughs> would would be like maybe be able to let me know like look into like what where he's coming from because you're right he retweeted a reply that was like a seven out of eight on a thread yeah and it was just um it was like an andrea dworkin quote yeah i'm sorry if i pronounce i I don't really know how that's pronounced which is also going back to the original jk rowling thread very funny that hilarious yeah yeah dworkin's name in her mouth yeah yeah i could really really go on about that one um but it's a very like if you see it out of context and maybe you're a confused old man yeah um, that you know it it, like doesn't understand like a retweet like ooh. (laughs) <laughs> no girls rule yeah retweet <laughs> right um and then everyone starts getting mad at you randomly because this is the other part is it's not like he realized what happened and then made a tweet like no oh, i'm sorry like i'm sorry i didn't know trans women are women it was that someone else asked on an un- unrelated tweet hey can you comment on this and and say that trans women are women and then he just replied back to that yeah trans women are women which for the guy that says you have to write like 40 billion words a day to be a writer <laughs> you'd think he could maybe manage more than four when everyone's like yelling at you yeah. So I just like I can't tell like what where he's coming from because it appears to just be mostly like confused. And I saw a lot of people yeah. being like, "Hell yeah, Stephen King, thank you." And I'm like, I I don't know. He like Yeah. I don't know what's going on uh from where he's sitting. And then he just went on like tweeting like normal like everyone got really mad at him really fast. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's- like he said that thing, and then other people were really mad at him. So I don't really know where he's coming from. Yeah, but I'm I'm also like not a huge king head, king king headstand. Yeah, head headstand. Yeah. Um, I I mostly know. Again, I've I've read the big stuff. I like his short stories. I think that the movies based on his stuff are often better than his stuff. Yeah. Um. So I I'm not I'm not a super fan. I don't know. Um, I know vaguely that he is just like, I'm pretty sure he's just like bog standard resistance lib, right? Yeah, I mean, if you scroll through his his feed, it's just like hilarious, like Joe Biden stuff. Yeah, so he could really go either way on this issue, I think. Um, I think, I think he doesn't know that the two things i i think that he does not know 
how badly he burned J.K. Rowling here. I think that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. I think I think he, he, he I think that these two things, the the him retweeting the Dworkin related post from J.K. Rowling and him being asked to say trans women are women and him saying yes, trans women are women. I think those are perhaps two separate thoughts in his head. I think I think that he does not know what the fuck J.K. Rowling is talking about. And I think that he also has a vague, like, like polite, grandfatherly understanding of, like, being on the left side of a social issue, right? But not really engaging with it, probably. Yeah, but I, and I think that that's the other, like, side of the coin there, is that I think it's pretty safe to say that he's not a, uh, like, a secret... Um, secret hangout on turf forums no. guy because I, I don't think you can get a turf to say trans women are women like as corny yeah. as that is and how I don't think that you should like get points for that for, right I, yeah. you just like you could not get JK Rowling to say that not in a million years right I mean, the, the, I mean the scary thing is I, I, I here's the thing I bet and, and like this this is maybe maybe grim speculation on my part but I bet that's the next thing they co-opt right Oh, probably because they'll yeah. just they'll just put a butt on the end. Yeah, right? and they'll try to get ahead of it because that's what those people do, right? Yeah, yeah. But for um, now, I I think you're right. Is is it that I think that this just signals he is at least at the very least like not in J.K. Rowling's camp on this issue. I also I also remember that like I think it was Mark Hamill went through like exactly like 100 percent the exact arc here yep. last year. Didn't he? Where he yeah, like retweeted something, something like from that. somebody, and then he was like, "Oops, sorry. Yes, you're right. Like, my bad. I didn't. I didn't catch that it was. Uh, it was turf propaganda. Which, honestly, I think that's the biggest part of the story. Right? Is it's like this is such a good model to show like how insidious this stuff is, because well-meaning dolts will believe that it's that it's normal, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it. That is, that's the spin, right? Is it's all like in very familiar, safe, liberal girl power language, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's that's uh, really easy for Stephen King to step in. Yeah, but of course, or Mark the, Hamill or whoever. The, the thing that the thing that just makes this story so the the, the, the happy ending here is that. For as oblivious as I am assuming Stephen King was being here, <laughs> him him saying this, him tweeting tweeting the, the those four words that everyone wants to hear, J.K. Rowling deleted her tweet. I want to read the tweet because yeah. it is, I, I think, really funny. So I, of course, have to find it now because yeah. it's um, now deleted. Um, I have it here if you uh, if you need it. Uh, you can read it, because I can't okay. find it. I have always revered Stephen King, but today my loved reached, maybe not Annie Wilkes levels, but new heights. It's so much easier for men to ignore women's concerns or to belittle them, but I won't ever forget the men who stood up when they didn't need to. Thank you, Stephen. Mm. Nope. Unfriended, blocked, removed from my top <laughs> eight. <laughs> she just deleted the tweet. Again, like I was saying, the thing that makes this so fucking good is just like, just imagining the stage that J.K. Rowling is on. She is the world's, probably the world's most famous author. 
And she got into a like public MySpace fight with probably the second most famous author. Yeah, with someone who also, as far as I can tell, has no idea what's going on. <laughs> she really took it personally. Again, looking straight at the camera here. I hope it hurts. I hope it hurts. That's <laughs> oh, really, it's really very funny. It's, it's it is pathetic. It's so fucking sad. Um. But it was a fun development. Uh, the other thing that I would like to talk about here that kind of broke this week um, is uh, J.K. Rowling's antics have have kind of been getting in, into trouble with, you know, a lot of her, her, her famous friends like Stephen King and now her um, her, uh, her 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 companies, WB and uh, and the developers Avalanche are supposed to be unveiling that big new Harry Potter AAA game soon. But of course, now it's kind of a, you know, a minefield. Like like what what do you do when you're making this big video game and the person whose name is attached to it is uh going 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 ham on Twitter. What do you do? Yeah, it's kind of sad. Like I feel sad for the just individual developers working on it, not not for the company, of course. Right. Um, but like it's like such a slam dunk, right? Yeah. At least like sort of. I'm not saying it's gonna be the the biggest game of the year or anything. Yeah, if if you are if you're a game designer or whatever, and you're at WB and like the project that lands in your lap is do you want to spend presumably infinite money making the world's biggest harry potter game like pro someone's probably pretty jazzed about that right yeah hell like, yeah yeah like like damn D damn that's a cool that's a cool project it, you know at least in theory like like oh shit we're gonna like i'm sure someone was very excited about that at some point and mm -hmm. uh watching it unfold like this i mean like it's i mean it's the same i, I feel like it's got to be the same for like I feel the same way about this as I do about like the you know the not not the actors not the you know the 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 you know the more high profile people on like Crimes of Grindelwald but like you know the crew on on those movies mm -hmm. you know like that like that's gotta suck if you're if you're like well my paycheck is tied to working on the turf movie yeah like that's a bummer if you're if you're like torn between being excited about your work there versus not supporting jk rowling right like that that's that sucks yeah and it's like all because jk rowling couldn't just like shut the fuck up and like hang out in her mansion like <laughs> yeah it's a bummer and also i think the thing that is easy to take for granted because we've known about the game the whole time that mm. it technically this is the first official acknowledgement that it exists right no, this like, is still unofficial this is still leaks right oh like, really yeah this is not um i thought it was leaked and then avalanche just said yes it's real. I, I so it's a, it was a Bloomberg article by Jason Schreier, and I believe all yeah. of this is still him emailing developers and like getting the scoop. Mm -hmm. It's still not like announced or like uh, mm. you know, there's no official like this is the most official it's been, but it's it's still not like this is still technically a, a quote unquote secret project. I think sure, which is very funny to think about at this point. Because we've known about it for like two years, but still, that's going to be a harsh official announcement. I know we talked about this, but like yeah. the idea of that to have to have that in your docket of like exciting things to reveal at Cyber E three or whatever, and it's <laughs> uh -huh. like, oh yeah, Harry Potter, and then everyone's like first 
first thought is like the news. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder how much weight this has in like WB's decision on what to do, you know? Cause mm-hmm. I, I know that they are, it, it seems like they are all just kind of sitting on their hands, hoping that this goes away so far. Yeah. Um, but I think that JK Rowling, you know, taking, taking the time out of her day to go on and just another like turf rant this weekend proves that like, that's not going to happen. Like this mm-hmm. isn't just going to quietly dissipate. Right. So I really wonder, are at, like just just looking at this from a company's perspective, like are they sitting there going like, what do you know? At, at what point can we even announce this thing and release right. it? Presumably, the game itself is like far enough along that it can't. You know, it, unlike Crimes of Grin or, or unlike um, Fantastic Beasts Three, which hasn't been like filmed at all yet. I'm assuming you can't just like cancel this game at this point like that would probably just be suicide but i wonder what they do do right because it's like well there's no way to release this thing without this stigma hanging over it i mean from what we know it's supposed to come out next year right yeah yeah it's a it's like a next gen title it's supposed to be coming out uh 2021 like they've they've got it you know it sounds like they've got it kind of locked in in terms of like what the release and like you know what the what the the reveal schedule was going to be like, but like it says here that there are the new plans to unveil it in August at that DC Fandom thing, which is like the DC like we're doing our own E3 thing. Is that gonna still happen in yeah. person? Oh, Fandom is a is an online thing. Oh, okay. It's a it's like their live stream. Like, oh, all right. We're gonna do our own E3 with a video package. Wow. But like I like August is a month away. I don't know if this goes away in a month, right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and fan- I mean, I guess they can really try to divorce it from J.K. Rowling, right? Like, yeah. I mean, in the same way, it's like when you think of Kotor, you don't think of George George Lucas, Lucas you know? Right. Yeah. Um. So that's probably their best like marketing bet. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens with Fantastic Beasts as well um, to see if they can really just extract her from the property. I'm very curious. So there's been a lot of talk about, about this, and, and I, I think this is a very interesting conversation to have about Harry Potter. Because, you know, we, we've talked before about how, like, Harry Potter is in an unusual spot as a, as a like, you know, multimedia juggernaut that is still firmly under the thumb of one creator – Mm-hmm. And how in nearly any other situation that I would think that that would be like a, a, a miracle. But this it, it, here, it's a curse because yeah. the, the, the person whose thumb it, it's under is a nightmare monster. So I've always like advocated for the fa- for the idea that like I, I think that Harry Potter would just be inarguably better if it was allowed to have like the sort of expanded universe thing. Right. That Star Wars and, like, other properties get get to have. Yeah. This game is probably the first, like, real version of that we'd ever get to see. Uh-huh. You know, like, Cursed Child wasn't written by J.K. Rowling, but she, she like, obviously signed off on it very closely. And it's, it's, um, it's very tied to the original character, so it's not really, like, an expanded thing. Yeah, and it's also, like, a Broadway play, so it's yeah. just already in kind of weird, weirdo town. <laughs> Sorry, Broadway fans, but that's just 
<laughs> you heard it here first. Broadway is weirdo town. <laughs> I, I stand by it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. But uh, th- this is like the first shot at that idea that I think anybody has really been given. I've seen a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, I think justified talk out there from people saying like, uh, there, there, there's two perspectives. There's like one, which is, oh, thank God I get to see a Harry Potter thing that isn't written by J.K. Rowling because she sucks. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side of that, which is like, well, I'm still not interested in this or I'm still not supporting this because, you know, doesn't, isn't she still scooping royalties off of this? Right. And I'm, I'm, for one, I would actually be very curious to see what her contract is like with WB. Cause I, I don't know. I don't know if she does get, I, I, I'd be very curious to know if this is something where she would get like lump royalties after the fact, or if, because she already signed away the rights for them to make, uh, um, uh, uh, Harry Potter stuff without her, whether she got paid up front for that like a long time ago when they when they made this business deal and and she's not going to see anything directly from them. I'm I'm very curious how that all shakes out because it could go virtually infinite ways. Like c- contracts are fucking arcane uh nightmare logic. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, I I I I think that it's a very real uh uh I I think it's a very sympathetic concern that a lot of people have that's like even if this isn't her directly in, involved you, you know even if even if she isn't directly involved with this thing she is still indirectly involved with it and i wonder if wb makes some sort of hilarious unprecedented announcement to like like do you, do you think they would disclose like oh she's not getting anything on the back end from this like do you think they would go that far i uh, <laughs> no but it would be very funny <laughs> just imagining that someone's sitting there going like we we need to like put out this fire somehow what the fuck do we do do we reassure everyone that yes the person that you hate is uninvolved like i'm what a weird scenario to be in where like instead of wanting to hype up that the you know the the author is involved directly you want to say like no the author has nothing to do with this it's like the opposite of every other licensed game ever the author will not be getting paid don't worry she's not she didn't write it we haven't shown her any of it she hasn't commented on any of the characters it's uh don't worry it's untainted her presence has not been uh, anywhere near this thing that's such a weird thing to to like to think about but like but it is it really is just like the the exact opposite of what you would usually want from a licensed game yeah for sure it will it will be definitely be interesting i still am anticipating a fantastic beasts cancellation i think i think that that is the split i think that the movie will be canceled there's we don't need to get into it, but there's other stuff happening right now that just seems like the 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 curse hanging over that movie is not lifting anytime soon. And I imagine that maybe maybe we get the game, but don't get the movie. I, I, I bet that's how this all shakes out. Yeah. And honestly, like not getting the movie, um, they might maybe invest something like some something into that where it's like oh she's been punished right so we can scoot the game in Mm. uh kind of under the Mm -hmm. under the radar yeah Um, try and avoid criticism that way Hmm. yeah i don't know i mean like i i feel like it is so likely that the movie will get canceled but 
I am also just ready to be surprised and just have it roll out like normal. It's such a weird one because I know that they those companies make those those bargains with evil people all the time where it's yeah. like, well, they suck and it's bad PR, but they can get asses in seats, right? Mm-hmm. And this doesn't even seem like that's the case. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that is the problem with this is that J.K. Rowling is like the anti-ass-in-seat getter. Mm-hmm. Asses leave seats when they hear that J.K. Rowling is involved at the moment. So, you know, that's the wrong reason to make this call, but I bet it's the reason they make this call, right? Like, yeah. Like, if 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 the if Fantastic Beasts 2 had been the top movie of 2018, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Like, of course, the new movie would be coming out and they would just weather the criticism. But, like, it took a $200 million dip from the first one, which also mm-hmm. was not exactly, like, the top movie of 2016 or whenever it came out. So these things are not the money printers that they clearly hope they are so yeah i don't know maybe they'll keep jamming it like like marvel and how (laughs) like marvel movies kind of sucked ass and they just kept like the superhero movie thing and they just kept at it until Mm -hmm. it was like the biggest thing in the world yeah um i think that's like possible yeah uh but we'll see we'll see it's very interesting it's different than just like firing a director though and hiring a different director Mm -hmm. right yeah, uh, maybe maybe they can fire J.K. Rowling. I don't know. It's just unprecedented. Yeah, like like it, it isn't. It isn't a matter of there being this shared universe where one person involved sucks that you can just kind of excise. She created the entire thing and is still like the steward of the entire thing. Like I said last week, it, it, it's like I the, the Star Wars got like. And I don't mean this in a negative sense, but it got diluted in terms of like, you know, lots and lots of writers touch Star Wars Mm -hmm. by the time the new movies came out. And so like if Jake, if uh, if George Lucas came out tomorrow and started saying some dumb shit, whatever, whereas here, J.K. Rowling created the story, the politics of what she put in the story have always been there and are readily available for anyone who wants to do a close reading. And she is still the only writer working on it. And so you can't just extricate her without getting rid of her 100%, basically. Like, like if, if, if you did extricate JK Rowling from Harry Potter now, you would basically be saying, okay, this is where the like WB verse starts. Because otherwise, it's still her work. And it would still be being built on a foundation of her work. But it's like, it's such a bizarre situation. It's just a nothing foundation, though, either. It's kids <laughs> go to school and get, get like, psychic powers. It's really, there's yeah, just, you can, like, you, it's yeah. all aesthetic, right? Like, they get pet owls and they go to a cool castle. Yeah. Um, that is not hard to build upon in a unique way that extricates it from J.K. Rowling. I am laughing because it, like, I, <laughs> it's, we've known this. I can't believe they let her write two movies. Why? <laughs> this is their own goddamn fault at the end of How the day. How did they do that? She doesn't write movies. She sucks at writing movies. She herself made a joke about how hard writing movies was after the first one. Or she was like, oh, damn, guess I'd never really thought about how how different it is. And I'm like, yep, sure is. And then she got to make a second one anyway. 
they have like a whole team of lawyers and contract writers and probably $10 billion. And they were like, yeah, we'll let J.K. Rowling just write two movies and call it freaking J.K. Rowling's Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. What were they thinking? It is their, yeah, this is a problem of their own goddamn making at this point. It's so funny. It's so funny, especially because they also like had access, the whole time they had access to Steve Clovis who yeah. wrote all the original movies with, you know, with her input, but like he, he wrote those movies and for them to just like say, ah, we'll just get her, We'll go straight to the source. We'll get Joe to do it herself. And then ended up with these two flops. They probably would have been okay if she just outlined the general idea and let Steve Clovis just write them. Yeah. Whatever. Cause again, <laughs> the ideas aren't that complex. It's, it's just, I mean, Crimes of Grindelwald is is a mess, but it's just because it's written like she writes. You know, <laughs> I, I know we're going to get into it in in this chapter, but um, where, again, we're at the end of a seven book long series and we have a bunch of characters we don't know or care about bouncing <laughs> off of each other. And I'm like, oh, I see how Crimes of Grindelwald happened. <laughs> yeah, that's a good segue. Shall we get into our chapter for this week? Yeah, let's do it. This is chapter eight. And, you know, it's been seven books coming, and we've been like, when is there going to be a wedding in this series? When this are is- Bill and Fleur, <laughs> our favorite characters, going to get married? We're like, ah, oh, it's really missing a good a good wedding episode. So this is chapter eight. Um, it's just called The Wedding. It's wedding time. It's the day of the wedding. Um, Harry has uh, taken up a disguise as Cousin Barney, um, and... They got him some polyjuice potion to take by getting a hair off of a redheaded boy, like a redheaded rando at the nearby muggle village uh, to have Harry be disguised and be like, oh, I'm just a Weasley cousin, you know, cousin Barney. Um, the guests are arriving, um, Harry and and um, like Fred and George and Hermione and Ron are kind of all acting as ushers as as the guests are there. Um, don't worry, the wedding's very beautiful. There's gold and there's you know streamers and balloons and blah 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 blah. Um, he Harry greets Lupin and Tonks and Lupin kind of explains why he had to make a quick getaway. He said, you know, the Ministry's been really anti werewolf these days. Um, Tonks is blonde uh, and Lupin just again is just making making big frowns. Uh, but Harry can't understand and why um we meet xenophilius lovegood uh for the first time luna's father they're here because i guess they live nearby and harry notices he's wearing an intriguing necklace um some sort of triangle shape (laughs) um (laughs) uh aunt muriel is introduced i think she's been referenced in some previous books she's like the the mean like battle axe aunt of the weasleys and she's just like we get the general impression that she's just a rude lady um there are some vila relatives that arrive all very beautiful um and guess who else it's victor crumb floor invited him for some reason um and then the wedding happens and it's beautiful and they kiss and and floor is so beautiful and all the girls cry and it's the whole thing. Um, it's the end of the ceremony, and so it's, the, it's time to party. Um, Crumb comes and kind of sits next to um, Ron, Hermione, and Barney, um, and so Ron hurries Hermione off to dance, because obviously he doesn't really want to be there. It's awkward. It's Hermione's ex-boyfriend, and so they go and dance, and that leaves Crumb uh, sitting with Barney, um, and Crumb talks to Barney Harry and is like, 
I, if this weren't a wedding, I would kick that guy's ass. And it's Xenophilius Lovegood um, because he has the, the triangle necklace, which he explains was a symbol of Grindelwald um, that I guess, you know, maybe, maybe Britons don't take it as seriously. Um, but in Bulgaria, they do take it seriously. Um, we'll get into that later. Um, Harry explains that the Lovegoods probably don't understand because they're really weird. Um, then Harry has a brain blast uh, seeing... Crumb's wand and it's like, oh, Grigorovich, of course. I know that name from the Wang of the Wands. You, your wand is made by Grigorovich. And Crumb's like, yeah, he's retired though. Um, Harry kind of gets away from Victor Crumb and goes and sits next to an old man who I believe officiated the wedding and also um, did the eulogy for um, Dumbledore's funeral uh, and is is Elphias Doge um, from the um, from the obituary and Harry's like, Hey, it's me, Harry Potter. Um, not Barney. Um, and they kind of talk and Harry wants to ask him some questions. Cause he's been a little bit disturbed since the Rita Skeeter article. And is like, is any of that stuff true? Um, but he's not getting a satisfactory answer. It's very clear that Doge is more interested in, in, um, uh, making Dumbledore out to be just like this perfect person. And so Harry's a little annoyed, like, Oh, this is, this is biased journalism. Um, but then, Muriel shows up and she's rude and horrible and she's ready to gossip. Um, and she thinks that Rita Skeeter's book is really good and is right. And she thinks that it's fully accurate because her source was Bathilda Bagshot, who was very close to the Dumbledores. And she starts kind of um, elaborating on some of the rumors that are going to come up in Rita Skeeter's book. One of them is that um, she thinks that Ariana Dumbledore, who died, um, was a squib and was locked in a cellar to because the Dumbledore parents were like anti-muggle and they hid her from the world until she died. Um, and uh, she also says like maybe Dumbledore's mom killed Ariana. Um, and also, I think the other kind of big piece of information here that she she quote unquote reveals is that Dumbledore lived. Um, in Godric's Hollow, uh, which we know from, you know, where where Harry's parents lived. And Harry has, like, some sort of sense of, like, kind of betrayal. Like, he's like, wow, did the Dumbledores keep Ariana, uh, in, like, in a closet like I was? And, but it was, like, uh, the opposite, because she was a muggle. And also, why didn't he ever tell me that he lived near my parents? Are they, like, buried in the same graveyard? Like, what's what's up with that? Um, so he's, he's pretty upset, and Doge and um, Muriel kind of argue back and forth. But then a silver lynx shows up and speaks in Kingsley's voice. The ministry has fallen. Scrimger is dead. They are coming. And that's the end of the chapter. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. Oh, I cannot believe that we had to sit through, like, three chapters of build-up to a fucking normal wedding. Yeah, I was ready to eat my words if it was, like, super wacky and crazy. Yeah, if it was, like, a cute out there, like, wow, here's how weddings are in the muggle or in the, in the wizard world. But no, it's basically just a muggle wedding where some things float, I guess. Yeah, it's, like, super normal. And Harry even says, like, I don't know, I've never been to a muggle wedding, um, but it's the same. The, okay, this is jumping ahead a bit, but I I, I, I think I want to get all the wedding grousing out of the way <laughs> first, maybe? Yeah, we should. Okay, so 
It literally says in this chapter the thing that we were joking about last week, which is that, like, Harry has never been to a muggle wedding. Like, it's confirmed. It confirmed. It, it just says flat out Harry had never been to a muggle wedding. And the thing that it says specifically is so perfect because it, it really reveals, like, exactly the thing we've been talking about with, uh, you know, with the way that the, the wizarding world has slowly just become, like, the muggle world basically over time um he had never been to a wedding before so he could not judge how wizarding celebrations differed from muggle ones though he was pretty sure that the latter would not involve a wedding cake topped with two model phoenixes that took flight when the cake was cut or bottles of champagne that floated unsupported through the crowd like yeah i guess i guess a normal wedding there would just be like stationary models on the cake and waiters will be bringing the champagne around but that's about it like it's just it's just muggle world plus that's the extent of her imagination here yeah it's literally like this is a muggle wedding but it's got special effects (laughs) yeah yeah it's crazy i like right down to the joke at the beginning about how this how the like caterers and the band are smoking weed in the yard. Like, yeah. Like it is it is just every wedding movie that has ever existed on the page here. I I'm, yeah, it's just like very standard and the ceremony is the same. There's nothing unique about it or special because it's magic. It is just describing a a dream wedding yeah really it's, it's it's it is just like here is a fun party i'd like to go to it's why, why do wizards have balloons is that a silly question <laughs> no it's it makes total yeah what what about balloons like to to a to a like group of people who at age 11 learn how to levitate things why is a why is a balloon interesting? Like, what What about that delights them? Because it's just a fucking... Like, they could do that with anything. You could, you could make anything float. I you... mean, maybe this is dumb. Do wizards have, like, plastic? Like, do they have mylar <laughs> balloons? And who, who like, makes it? D- I assume that in, like, the early books, just because of the way the magic is written, they could probably, like conjure balloons out of their wand right yeah uh, that's like you just not think the level that magic was yeah. on yeah um but like did they go to the muggles like they, did they go to party city and buy some like golden balloons yeah did a bunch of weird guys go into a muggle party store and go like ah delightful i love these these rubber bags that float how ingenious which i say that as a joke but honestly that would be cute right like, sure. like if if we if we got some sort of sense of like, oh, this is how like the muggle and wizard worlds interact is it like, oh, wizards really like muggle like party tricks or whatever and think they're cute. Like that would be interesting, but we don't get any of that. There are just balloons here because a wedding has balloons. It's such a departure from the way that like decorations and things are described earlier in the books and i'm not Mm -hmm. even saying that that's very imaginative because it's like purely aesthetic and always was but if you think back to like the way that um like christmas was celebrated at hogwarts it's like the the 
the knights or the suits of armor in the hallways were like dressed up and there were like fairies mm-hmm. that were like flying around the trees and there's things. snow in the great hall and there's like there's partridges everywhere yeah and so it's really weird here where it's just like well We've got balloons. Um, and also, there's a lot of detail about the chairs that they rented. <laughs> yes! What is like, it? It's like the beautiful white chairs with the gold, the golden legs. And oh, Hagrid, he sat on the chairs and they broke. And it's just like, who cares? <laughs> it's the, the, the folding chairs part is what got me, I think. Mm. Because... And I'm like, I, I realize that we are getting like truly into the the grittiest of nitty gritty here. But I think that it is only fair to do that in this story that is being demanded to be taken seriously this way. Mm-hmm. So I think in nearly every magical situation involving like comfort in the wizarding world so far the 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 like big twist on like wizard stuff versus muggle stuff is that wizards have like figured out how to like always make stuff the most comfortable like the most comfortable thing possible like the the ministry cars when they get in the ministry cars it's described as being like a plush sofa for a seat yeah right yep uh the the night bus has like beds in it Yep. Uh, uh, the, the 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 tents that they bring to the Wizarding World Cup uh, are like luxurious and and like spacious on the inside and have like a kitchen and beds and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, that I think is honestly a very cute motif. This idea that like like wizards wizards have just like b- been able to like get rid of the like more mundane and like like the the drudgery of like even like you know transportation have made it like oh it's it's like fun and comfy and stuff yeah because like why wouldn't you right yeah. like if you can conjure the the world's comfiest chair at any time yeah and you can wear just like cool robes like what is more comfortable than wearing a cool robe oh, a robe right yeah it's, it's, yeah exactly it's 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 the 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 sense of like everyone having access to the most luxurious comfort at any point has like, like sort of shapes the culture in the early books in a really fun way. Um, Whereas here, these chairs that are being described are just like fancy folding chairs. (laughs) Like, which is so funny to me that JK Rowling like forgot the one thing that she did with like, seats and chairs and stuff in the early book and just said like no these are like normal uncomfortable outdoor wedding chairs like everyone loves those right right because it's because it is this is not a wizarding world wedding this is just like a normal cool nice wedding that she wants to go to and like the her the furthest her imagination could stretch here was not like like I don't know. Like, what if what if you walked into the wedding tent and instead of like folding chairs, there were just like church pews, but they're all like the best sofas in the world. Like that would be kind of funny, right? Like that's that fits with the way that the Wizarding World has worked up until this point. But she kind of forgot that like that was a thing she ever did, and so they're just normal folding chairs, like any like any outdoor event would have, but they're gold 
on the legs, I guess. They're gold and so beautiful. I think it would be really cute if ever all the guests just conjured their own like armchairs and they were oh, all fuck just yeah. like all like in a horseshoe shape around the like whatever ceremony and it was just a bunch of like rows and rows of mismatched like armchairs. Yeah, that's the that's that are like eccentric and funny. That's another good point. Like the 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 key like difference between the muggle and wizard worlds for the longest time was that like the wizard world was just like disorganized right like Mm -hmm. like it it just felt very lived in and sort of like like the layout of everything felt very to and fro as opposed to like rigid and organized like 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 in the, the the muggle world and like that motif is just gone like these are just rows of chairs in exact order and they're all uniform they're all the same and all the all the staff are wearing uniforms and the 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 co- the, the the wedding has a like color scheme like normal weddings do it's so uh sad sad depressing yeah yeah um i think it's it's so perfect that it's at the weasley's house too because that is there is a very deliberate parallel drawn for Harry where he's like the Dursleys put appearances and being proper ahead of comfort, right? They yeah. they care more about being stiff and uncomfortable and formal yeah. um all the time. And then he goes to the Weasleys and they don't they aren't as affluent as the Dursleys and but what they have is comfort and their house is a mess and it's like crooked and looks like it's falling over and they have chickens like running around in the yard. But he's like, this is this is what comfort is, mm-hmm. is this disorganized chaos where everyone loves each other and, and on and on. Like it's it's so easy. And then all of a sudden we have a wedding that literally takes place at the borough and they strip it of that right like we spent a (laughs) chapter being like no get the chickens out of the yard we have to trim the bushes we have to get the the gnomes away and we're going to set up this extremely rigid formal traditional muggle wedding yeah uh for bill and fleur where fleur is wearing a simple but you know beautiful white dress and it's just like normal yeah wow yeah, it is truly depressing. Um and it's also just like uh, uh, like 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 this this is, you know, th- this is less themes and more just like the logic of the story not making sense, but it's it's it it sticks out to me here too is it's like you could make this thematically interesting with just a few changes. Like if this was a style of wedding that like floor demanded or if this was like uh if it went the opposite direction it was like well we want to have this big formal wedding but we can't so we're gonna make do with what we have because there's literally a war going on right now like yeah, and that's kind of what the weasleys are good at right like yeah. they are good at making something special and meaningful even if it's not you know a perfect like picture perfect thing or expensive Right. Which is what really sticks out to me here is that like this whole thing just feels expensive. And I just like who who is bankrolling this and who is even like who has the time for a wedding right now in the story like a like a full on party wedding like the, there's a band here. They don't seem to be all that worried about getting 
sniped by Death yeah, Eaters. Yeah, they have a live band. <laughs> Not very many weddings have a live band. Also, I know, like, it is... I know it's supposed to show that it is a nice wedding, but I would much rather like in, like introduce a quirky DJ. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, I I don't know. Like like this this to me, <laughs> this is me bringing my own biases here, honestly. But it but it but it is fun that like reading this just gave me the same feeling that I have gotten at nearly every wedding I've ever been dragged to. Right. Of just like like I want this chapter to be over. I don't want to be here. I don't know anyone here. It's kind of oppressive in that sense. Like yeah, there are you know there, I, I can count the number of weddings that I've been to that I like cared about on one hand, right? Like sure, like if I love if I love the people involved or whatever, that's great. But like just th- this this feeling of being dragged to Bill and Fleur, two characters I do not give a shit about. <laughs> being dragged to their wedding and being being forced to sit there while random characters come in and talk to me uh and like if this is hell this is my hell yeah it's not good and and really it is pretty remarkable that the entire thing one has no conflict like other than like <laughs> I, I i guess i will take like two there there are two parts to this chapter there's the wedding part that is supposed to make you feel happy and mm-hmm. mostly think like, I love weddings. And then the second part, which is the Doge Muriel thing, but that's not really like attached to the concept of weddings. Right. No. And it's, it is amazing that the wedding part relies 100% on you, the reader caring about weddings. <laughs> right. And by, and by like caring about weddings, I mean like, ah, oh, I would love to go to a nice wedding. Do I need to know anyone? Nope, but I just like to be there because I because I like the idea of it. Right, like I I could put up with this scene if I gave a shit about the characters involved, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but like, sure. you know, if these if these were characters, that are like, oh, that's like my, you know, like like how wonderful for them. But it's like I don't like know any of these people. Fleur is in one book. Bill is, Fleur is a comedy French character, <laughs> right? <laughs> she is, yeah. She is a stereotype, and and Bill has had, I think, maybe six lines so far in this entire series. So, yeah. not really someone I'm on the lookout for, or like really interested in seeing the wedding of. Um, it's just like I, I, I am. In, in a weird position with this criticism, because normally I actually think that like, I, or like I I enjoy when stories are a little bit self indulgent. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, fiction should be self indulgent. Um, but this is like too far in that direction. Like like stories need cause stories should be self indulgent, but they should still manage to like string that self indulgence along in a way that like matters to the overall story. Whereas this just feels like a like a chapter written purely for J.K. Rowling's own entertainment, um, and which is kind of amazing considering just how sterile it feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I guess it's it's just like self indulgent and something I'm not interested in at all. Uh, for one thing, but like it is, it is just like so dry and not magical i think that is maybe the core problem is it's 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 like it is self-indulgent but it's not like 
an author being self-indulgent about their wacky magic system they've come up with. It's just someone being self-indulgent about a party they'd like to go to. About weddings. It's really, <laughs> you know, I, the thing is, I love wedding episodes. They're always my favorite. Mm-hmm. Wedding episodes, a wedding scene and anything. Weddings are awesome for stories because yeah. they are just all of these characters getting together in one place yeah. and having and feeling like emotionally charged, right? Yeah, yeah. Like every everyone's bringing their own shit. Um, everyone's like sad or mad or like really emotional and have their own like weird baggage that they have. None of that is here. It is like everyone's reactions are like mild at best. Yeah. There's no conflict. Nothing happens. Yeah, you're right. There is nothing. No characters get to like encounter each other and have a conflict about what's going on it is just like and then they went to a beautiful wedding and everyone was very happy for the bride and groom the end (laughs) right there's like no one there's no part where the where the like you know the officiator is like and if anyone has any objections speak now and then someone runs in and says i object there's no you know there's nothing cool there's no fun drama here no, and God, even there some good is wedding like, episodes. What are some good? Uh, Sopranos God. has some good we- wedding episodes for sure. Uh, Buffy has one. Oh my God! I yeah. Well, I can't. I can't get into that now. I was gonna <laughs> say like say what you will about um the Xander Anya wedding episode where Xander walks out, but damn, <laughs> that's drama. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You can make it work in fiction. It's a, uh, it's it's a it's potent, uh, uh, episode concept or like chapter concept, but it's just it is here here it is presented as just like normal wedding. Harry just his reaction being this is nice, it's, it's just <laughs> so. What like that's all you got for me? God, Harry is. This his disguise, his reactions in this chapter. He is barely here. He like inhabits this other redhead kid's body, and he basically just like loses all sense of self. Like I, <laughs> I was, I kept forgetting that he was in disguise in this chapter. So yeah. it's a good thing that he keeps on telling people, "I'm Harry Potter," because right. I would have forgotten honestly. Like he. maybe that is like his ritual of like self-actualization is having to tell people that he's harry potter because it's he's maybe he's like telling himself no i'm harry potter because he sure just like doesn't seem like a character with thoughts or feelings or anything in this chapter he is just a camera observing this wedding and thinking that's nice that's nice (laughs) wow this is really nice look at those balloons look at that wow a muggle wedding wouldn't have the cake toppers animate that's true harry um yeah i i think it's um i'm trying to think of a way to make this criticism not sound bad because i think it can be used like sort of bad faith um Mm. but i just don't think that there's any reason for him to be disguised yeah like if he weren't disguised nothing would be different this is already a secret party Right. It's. I assume it already has, like, wards and stuff. There's no... The story doesn't rely on it having this, like, tension of worrying about it being crashed or, like, worrying that it's not safe or maybe some people weren't invited because it's not safe to have, like... 
because it's it's like there's like randos there, right? Like Xenophilius mm-hmm. Lovegood is there because he like lives nearby and heard about it, so he's like, I'll be I'll be there too. There's no compromise, right? Other than Harry inhabiting this other body, telling everyone at every point, I'm Harry Potter, <laughs> and nothing happens. So it's like, why can't he just be Harry here in this presumably this party with some amount of security? And and just have his character be able to have drama with any other character or like the one whatever the one time he really does push back mm-hmm. and say like no I'm not, I'm not Harry Potter I'm 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 Barney, I'm Barney. yeah is with Crumb which yeah. makes no sense because he knows Crumb I would much rather see Harry actually just see Crumb again I I am yeah. more interested in that conversation of Victor Crumb you know, talking to Harry, like as Harry and what their reunion would be like, than have Harry be undercover as Barney because then it's just exposition. Yeah. And he has no, he has no reason to not trust Crumb at this point. Uh huh. Like, like, especially because when he mentions like Grindelwald or whatever, Crumb just starts going off. He's like, yeah, I'd like to parody that guy. Yeah, and I'm like, and it's like, okay, cool. Crumb, Crumb seems legit, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Crumb is not gonna say like, oh, I am going to report you to Lord Voldemort because it's because like he's he just seems like a good guy here. Like, like damn, Crumb's Antifa here. Like he he's he. I, I'm sure Harry could tell him he's Harry Potter and not like have any ill consequences here. I I would love to have that conversation like i i want to see that i want harry to say i'm harry potter and hear like crumb's reaction instead of just an info dump about grindelwald's symbol and finding out who grigorovich is yeah yeah it's it's surreal i don't i don't quite get why uh why the disguise is even going a going concern here. I guess there's kind of a funny joke where Harry is like Grigorovich and, and he has to tell Crumb that like, oh, I, I read that in a fan magazine and Crumb is like, I don't yeah. remember saying that. Like, that, that's kind of funny. Um, yeah. But I say let the disguise drop and just have it be, have it be normal because I don't think anything is affected by Harry being Harry here. What, um, so, so that is one joke that works because of the Barney disguise. Mm-hmm. And then I just think about all of the jokes where I'm like, if you are doing the disguise bit, why didn't these jokes appear? Which is the the, the one that sticks out for me is that like, okay, Ginny is there, right? And and Aunt Muriel keeps going off about how like, oh, Ginny's top is too low cut or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, and, and not only that, but like she like winks at Harry when yeah. it happens. And Harry like doesn't look at it like he doesn't look at her top and go damn damn auntie muriel's right oh damn uh, uh, jenny's jenny's titties be popping or whatever right. he doesn't do that he just it just moves on and i'm like the the one joke that you could build to with this like cousin barney thing is have like i don't know hermione or someone saying like stop checking out jenny like you're you're a Weasley cousin. Knock it off. Like what what are you doing? Like they they didn't they didn't even do that. There's no for something that is like 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 you said about about like the the concept of wedding episodes. Like like how how what what better way to like get a bunch of drama going, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have all these teenagers here, and like there is there is nothing. There's no drama. 
Harry, like, like Harry doesn't notice that Ginny is is showing off for him. Like he sort he has like one offhand thought about like, damn, I wish I could be dancing with her instead of Lee Jordan. Um, but like other than that, there's basically nothing. Like Crumb shows up and like Ron gets pissy and then he just walks away, so the drama stops. Uh Hermione cries, but that's because it's a wedding and she loves weddings so much now, I guess. It feels like you're um when you the experience of reading this chapter is feeling like you're playing an RPG that you've played like many, many times before. And so you're <laughs> skipping all of the dialogue and like not you're like you're like not talking to the people at the wedding that are just going to give you like context or like drama. You just have the conversations that advance the story. Yeah. Like you just have to go get the like key information from from Elphias Doge and from Victor <laughs> Crumb. Like you have to find out who Grigorovich is and you have to find Find out about the Hallows, and then you got to get out of there because you're trying to get through like the prologue. Oh God, that's so relatable. Oh, yeah, that's so, yeah, that yes, that that is 100 what this is. You're just doing the mission critical. I'm going to the characters with the icons over their heads so I can get out of this fucking wedding level. Right. You're not you're not going to be talking to like the side characters to find out what they feel about the wedding or about their <laughs> various dramas. You're not stopping to like listen in on conversations between the other NPCs. You're just you're just interested in getting the quests and leaving. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, I'm just I'm doing the I'm doing my speedrun strat. If you go if you go talk to Crumb, uh, and then you mash through that, you can get Elphias Doge to trigger early. Mm-hmm. And then you can go and talk to him as soon as Muriel shows up, and then then that will if if you if you wiggle the left stick during this conversation and try to clip through the tent, it will cause Kingsley to spawn early and tell you that the ministry has fallen. It's a lot of menuing, but you have to be careful not to have them repeat their exposition again. If you're <laughs> clicking through real fast, you might hit yes, and Crumb will tell you about Grigorovich's retirement all over again. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that's what this feels like. Um, okay, so that's kind of like our, our my broad wedding grousing. Sure. F- through there. Yep. Um, going back through in order. Yeah. First of all, couldn't J.K. Rowling couldn't resist making a weird comment about the Barney being fatter than Harry? Right. Yeah, it was rather Again, uncomfortable. None of the like, none of the drama or jokes around being being uh, disguised, uh, but it got got one in on how like, oh, I guess the kid was fatter than me. It's like size up your clothes, you fucking weirdo. Like, why <laughs> isn't there like a spell for that? Because like, why it's like you're disguised as someone else, but you're wearing your dress. I just yeah, they purely <sighs> exist just to just to make a weird jab. This unknown character's weight, I guess. Um, Fred and George show up. Uh, they talk about their their mom crying. Um, there's so much in this chapter that is literally just explaining that it is a normal wedding. Like, yeah, talking about the talking about the birds and the cravats and mm, the, the mm-hmm. like, the people outside the reception tent. Like, it is so just 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 constantly you are bombarded with with details about how this is a normal wedding um we've got to talk about tonks tonks i think is is the first thing that really left out to me just like oh my god this is so sad here she became blonde for the wedding yeah 
She's, because that's she normal. Became, you had to become normal for the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't express yourself at a wedding, please. No, that would be crazy to do. Please, please dye your hair in the same the 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 color scheme of the invitations, please. White and gold only. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> I've just been thinking about ever since you sent me that yesterday. I've been th- I I misread it as like Detroit become human. Tonks become just, normal. <laughs> think, thinking about Tonks become normal. That's where my head's at now with Tonks. It's so fucking sad. She was the cool punk lady. And now she's just truly happy going to a wedding, having normal hair and being pregnant. It fucking sucks. Other than it sucking and being depressing, it just is kind of nothing. I'm yeah. not invested in this story. No, it's it's she's she's barely a character. She showed up a little bit last book and was like, I'm depressed. But I guess her depression was cured by becoming pregnant, becoming pregnant and becoming yeah. normal. She just uh-huh. needed to become normal. That, she that, became that. normal and now Lupin's depressed, I guess. Yeah, he'll get over it though. Um Why? when he learns when he learns to be heroic dad or whatever. Oh. That's and then they die together. I miss Lupin. Husband and wife die together after becoming normal. Uh I miss I Prisoner of Azkaban Lupin was so good, honestly. Top top five character in the series for sure. Maybe the best one. What a I've actually been thinking recently, like, I might have been like, damn, I kind of want to just, like, reread Preserve Azkaban for fun. Yeah. Or, like, watch the movie again or something. Because it, it really contains everything I like about Harry Potter in just one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of want to have those feelings back a little bit, especially right now in the midst of maybe the worst book in the series. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just going like, damn. There was a good story here once upon a time with great characters. I think I would just rather have Lupin just be completely gone, written out, yeah. never to appear again than to come back like this. Yeah, it sucks. It's it's same with Tonks, honestly. Just like if we just got some offhand dialogue in this book, it's like, oh, yeah, you remember Lupin and Tonks? They're they're together now. And then they never saw them again. I'd be like, OK, well, I thought they were gay, but sure. Instead, it was it's not only that it's like. Well, here they are, and it's just abjectly miserable for everyone involved, both reader and character. Also, Harry is mostly indifferent to it, so it just... Yeah, he doesn't I'm really just like, why is it here? Kind of surprised that Harry has, like, no feelings about her getting married. Because what does she mean to him? I mean, he also doesn't have any thoughts about Lupin. Like I said this in the in, <laughs> yeah. the in the chapter where they were like, "Oh, they got married," and Harry was like, "Oh my god, congratulations, you guys!" and and wasn't like, "Oh, you didn't invite me." Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Or like, oh, I'm invited you, to you... Bill and Fleur's wedding, but not yours. Right. Like he's like, "Oh, I wouldn't miss Bill and Fleur's wedding for the world." Um, <laughs> I I just don't know. I mean, like, Lupin is his last connection to his dead dad. Yep. And I and I don't it's think just... that it's a problem that Lupin isn't connected to Harry. Like, I could totally see a conflict where it's like, yeah, kid, I showed you how to do the Patronus. Um, and, you know, I tracked down Sirius. But I don't know. I was just, like, friends with your dad in high school. Yeah, right. I, like, that's... I was doing my job. Right. That's all fine. And I could see Harry being like upset or having feelings about that or be like, oh, I thought that, 
you know, we are more connected or you're my last connection to my dad and you don't care about me really. And like, there's a lot of directions you could go. Or even if Lupin wanted to be connected, but maybe just was like flaky or didn't, mm-hmm. didn't like come through when it really counted if he wasn't around. But yeah. it just is, is presented completely neutral. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's just a complete non-entity now. His, his story... His story revolves entirely around the werewolf thing now, and that runs so counter to what Prisoner of Azkaban was about, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, like Prisoner of Azkaban was like how, you know, he does not let that define him. He does not let this curse define him or whatever. And now <laughs> that is literally the definition of his character is that he's a werewolf. Yeah. He, <laughs> he's the, he is like the consequence of the ministry being bad and and it is very like abstract like oh they're being mean to lupin i remember him Mm -hmm. he from the third book he was nice yeah yeah he's he's just like he's just kind of like a weird specter like he has lupin's name but he doesn't like carry any of lupin's meaning as a character in this story yeah, I mean, it's the same with Tonks, right? And she had yeah. less meaning because she's not a major character, right? She shows up in, like, two scenes. And I think her, like, big character traits are, like, one, clumsy. Two, horror. Shapeshifter. It's shapeshifter, which is not much to go on, right? But yeah. But the fact that she shows up to make an appearance at wedding um, to Tonks become normal is, <laughs> like, who? who is this person? <laughs> I honestly would rather have Lupin show up with, like, a rando. Like, this is my date for the wedding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be something. That would be weird. Maybe Harry could have a thought about it. Oh, that's weird. (laughs) Harry Harry could have a thought about something, perhaps. That would be good. Um, How do we feel about Xenophilius? Don't care. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. I, I like, I'm sorry. I can't think of something to care about. He got, he has object. Ooh, he has what's object. that triangle? He have object. I'm, I know that. I've seen that triangle on a lot of cars. What's that? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't care. It's Luna's dad, whatever. Luna, Luna and Xenophilius feel so bad to me here, I, which is sex. I love Luna. Yeah. Um, but, but. And there, there's one, there's one really cute bit here where she immediately sees through Harry's disguise, and mm-hmm. I thought that was very sweet. Yeah. Which again, also, like, makes me feel like sh- shouldn't shouldn't they be getting together? Uh, yeah, she's also like the only one that Harry notices. Like he mm-hmm. makes an observation about her appearance because she comes. So they're both wearing like what's described as like egg yolk yellow, which is weird at this normal wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Harry notices that Luna, once he gets over how bright her dress is, looks very nice, which I think is one of the only things that Harry like observes of his that own volition. Such an antidote to how depressing the the magic world has gotten in this story. Mm-hmm. Like if 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 Harry grew up and realized that the difference between the wizarding world and the Muggle world is superficial, but finds comfort in Luna, who is weird even by wizarding world standards. Uh huh. That would be kind of sweet, right? I mean, it's it's weird, right? Because Luna, it's it's Harry went from normal muggle world to seeing wizards and being like oh they're weird 
Yeah. But now Luna is like what wizards were before to the muggle world of the new mm-hmm. wizard world that Harry now just likes, I guess. Yeah. I could I could really see like a case for just him just being head over heels for her because she she I mean, she basically like provides that high again for him, right? Of like, oh my god, everything is so different and and whimsical and not like my normal boring life right mm-hmm. like that would be kind of sweet if she you know if she if she was like the one person in this story who was like still holding on to a more like wondrous version of magic in her life yeah but but instead i i know she's gonna be like psycho by the end of this book like she's written like friends on the on paintings of everyone in the, in her room or whatever i just what a bummer because she's such a great character and she's so fun Uh, but her dad is also like in this scene just to be like extra weird and it's a little it feels a little like flanderized here they're they're like weirdness i guess like they barely seem like functioning people yeah i don't really know what their deal is supposed to be like like she got bit by a small animal and it's like oh cool i'm gonna lick the wound I'm like, yeah. okay, that's a little beyond her being weird. And him and him having this like this symbol on his on his um necklace and and uh crumb being like, oh, that's that's the swastika of Grindelwald over there. I just don't know what to think of this whole thing. I think it's really wishy-washy. Like, let's talk yeah. about the crumb conversation because yeah. I can't really tell what it's going for exactly. I'm trying I to... can't tell which character it's trying to make look unreasonable. I I can't tell if this is supposed to be Crumb is a you know Twitter Twitter lefty who's too crazy and keeps on getting in my mentions calling me a turf. Or is it saying that Xenophilius is is out of pocket for having a Deathly Hallows symbol? I I can't tell which is the intended read here. So Crumb says, Grindelwald, I'm not going to I'm not going to do the phonetic talking like I did for the French accent, but I <laughs> rest assured Crumb's all of it, the W's are V's um, mm-hmm. in the book. Uh, Grindelwald, that's Grindelwald's sign. Um, Crumb's jaw muscles worked as if he were chewing. Then he said, Grindelwald killed many people. My grandfather, for instance, of course, he was never very powerful in this country. They said he feared Dumbledore and rightly seeing how he was finished. But this he pointed at Xenophilius. This is his symbol. I recognized it at once. Grindelwald carved it. It's really hard to read with the V's. Grindelwald <laughs> called it in, carved it into a wall at Durmstrang when he was a pupil there. Some idiots copied it into their books and clothes, thinking to shock, make themselves impressive, until those of us who had lost family members to Grindelwald taught them better. So it's a swastika. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is Grindelwald's wizard swastika. And Harry's whole thing about like, well, maybe he doesn't understand and the, and and the so the answer being like, "Oh, no, it's actually a very sacred symbol about uh, you know, wizard immortality that um Grindelwald misused or whatever." Is I know that's coming down the pipe and I just don't know how to feel about that and I don't know what she's saying and I don't know if she's saying anything because because xenophilius here is being the like actually when i wear this way it's a manji guy right yeah and i feel like 
in that context, Crumb is absolutely justified in wanting to knock his shit out. Yeah. But I don't know if we're supposed to think Crumb is justified for, for that, because I'm pretty sure the explanation is going to be like, oh, it was all a misunderstanding. Actually, the symbol is good, which is also a really weird thing <laughs> to, to like, because if, if it is just purely based on like the swastika being an appropriated uh, um, Sanskrit symbol, those are two wildly different contexts, right? Like, like it's not that's because it's a, the symbol in a different language that also was taken and used for something else. Whereas here it means the same thing both ways. It's just the symbol is good or bad, which is not really the problem with the swastika, right? Like it's, it just feels like if it is supposed to be referencing that, like that, like um history for, for, for the swastika, it's a very dumb and misguided read of like why swastikas are offensive, right? And why mangies aren't. Like it's just a, it's a, it's it's just like what what am I supposed to take away from this? Yeah, I guess I'm confused about it drawing that very deliberate line, but also having nobody know about it except for Victor Crumb. That is the weirdest part, right? And like that is the part where I'm like, okay, so am I supposed to think that Crumb is un- being unreasonable or like being paranoid because surely if if we were to like extrapolate this into like it, it, the the analogy that it appears to be and this was a guy showing up at a wedding with a swastika on more, more than one person would notice yeah <laughs> right? like <laughs> i mean and it's like oh it's outside it's out of sight of the like cultural context of the the people at the wedding but it's like Dumbledore killed Grind- Grindelwald. Yeah, like, yeah, that, that, yeah, what? yeah. There, there is a thing about how, like, oh, maybe, maybe it didn't reach Britain because he was scared of Dumbledore. But like, Dumbledore's big claim to fame is that he defeated Wizard Hitler. He defeated Wizard Hitler, and it's like just on the chocolate frog card. Like, oh, he defeated the greatest evil wizard of all time. Yeah. In the greatest duel that has ever been and ever Uh, will be. God, the more I think about it, the more I realize that Dumbledore is just supposed to be Churchill. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure that we will learn more in Fantastic Beasts 3 through (laughs) 5. Where there's going to be actual Winston Churchill hanging out with Dumbledore. Right. God. Yeah, but I just... the. The because this is such a like a cramped and rushed story where where it um it sort of barreled headfirst into being a political allegory five books in um it still has not fleshed out its world in a way where this makes sense and like th- like to to bring up this like very real like like political debate about like symbols and appropriated symbols and whatnot but also have it so it's like also a secret and no none of the characters recognize it except one guy it's just kind of ludicrous like it, it it's trying to be an analogy for something while scooping out the part where it would be the analogy if that makes sense like it's just like 
like what 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 if what if only one person knew what a swastika is this is the thought experiment <laughs> here which is a bizarre <laughs> bizarre way to frame a scene I, I i'm having a difficult time situating it like divorced from any kind of like analogy that it is trying to be but i can't quite put it into the world that it is existing like does hermione know what it is right like also nearly everyone here aside from the teens surely lived through that war where dumbledore defeated grindelwald like they, they are living in the shadow of that war still i mean alphias doge is there and he was friends with dumbledore for his whole life and was yeah. and was there when Dumbledore Killed like got in with Grindelwald and ended up killing him. Yeah. yeah. Also, we oh. have some clue of the scale of the conflict from the Fantastic Beasts films, which I know is not like super fair, right? Because yeah. obviously yeah. this was written before those. However, the way that it is framed in those is that Grindelwald is an international figure. Right. Yeah. In fact, he d he. If I remember correctly, he did his big um, dropping cloth on the city meeting, um, where it's bad to sh for the cops to show up because then, <laughs> if you punch a Nazi, then they'll punch back harder. Um, that was in Paris, right? Yes. Weird yeah. that this where this symbol would show up would be at a French wedding. I just oh yeah who I did like, not even mm. I don't I don't know it just seems like it would be pretty internationally known considering Grindelwald put a big black blanket on all of Paris <laughs> one time on the entirety of Paris like in living memory um <laughs> yeah. just confused yeah at this at this point in the story forty years ago also he wow. killed a baby I don't think anyone's gonna forget that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what Crumb should have been mad about. Like, oh, this this man, he he wears symbol of of Grindelwald. He killed baby. Unacceptable. I like Crumb a lot. He stands <laughs> yeah, for no, something. Crumb is great in this scene. Yeah, he's like, if this wasn't a wedding, I'd knock that guy on his ass. I'd and yeah. like, and that, like it makes it sound like he also like went around like kicking anyone's ass at his school that would. <laughs> Which yeah, like, swastika. Like, yeah, this guy's damn, badass. Sounds, yeah, this guy's great. Crumb sounds like way. Crumb does what Harry never did at his school. <laughs> Harry's Harry's surrounded by people he he he's convinced are Death Eaters, but he doesn't do shit. Crumb, God, if, just, if, if Crumb went to if Crumb went to Hogwarts, he would have just like knocked Malfoy the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's powerful. I support Crumb. He he's a really <laughs> fun character here. I like that. I like his like. I like that. The, this is the one again. The one thing that the disguise conceit makes work is that gag about him about Harry going like, "Oh, I read it in a magazine," and he's like, "Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that I talked about it in a magazine." But that like that that does placate him. Mm -hmm. Um, like that's pretty funny. Um. Him, uh, him getting frustrated that like, like oh, all the all the hot ones are taken is like goofy but womp funny, womp. right? Like, yeah, womp womp. Um, uh, yeah, he's he, it's it was fun to see him again just because I mean, for one thing, just a relief to get an extended chat with a character I know, you know, mm -hmm. at this wedding. Yeah. Um, 
right before going and talking to uh, Mr. Doge and Auntie Muriel, who are just like not people I care about in this story. I also, I'm having a little bit of a problem with Harry's brain blast about Grigorovich. Oh, it's so tenuous. It's so stupid. It's like, I remember that name. And I just, it sure feels like, like, I understand from a reader perspective, of course I don't remember Grigorovich, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's a throwaway name in book four. But I just keep getting this, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like the the level of reveals in the story about the world never change. Like, it makes sense that Harry would be revealed, like, ob- like, very obvious things about the wizarding world would need to be revealed to Harry because he's like a fish out of water. And that's yeah. the story. But that never changes, and I feel like everything that is revealed is, like, should be extremely obvious. So I never get the impression that Harry is, like, acclimating or learning or gaining a deeper understanding of the world he lives in. Does that make sense? No, yeah, I think that, I think that makes sense. And, and it is... It is so funny that he has, like, this aha moment about realizing that there's more than one brand like yeah and as far as i can tell there's only two (laughs) maybe there's just a different brand for each school or like or i i yeah it's so it's just kind of like like i i'm sure that harry would put together that there's more than one wand maker in the world I just want it to be deeper. When they say Ollivander is the greatest wand maker ever, what does that mean? Like, are there people yeah, what is a good selling wand? like $10 wands on the street and they kind of suck? Is that like a lie? Is he not the greatest wand maker, but he says that? Is he like monopolized? Like, I'm, I, it's like goofy, like world building stuff. But again, it never feels like the world ever gets any deeper. It stays at this really shallow level. And I think that I would love if there was some like, like I, 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 I use the word brand kind of as a joke there, but I would honestly let like, if we, if we want to get into like the wizarding world is just like the muggle world stuff. Mm-hmm. I think a really fun one would be like, you know, what, what is the like marketing war between the, wand companies like yeah like like because the gregorovich wands they like don't buy olivander wands they blow up right uh yeah like like what 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 is that or like don't don't buy olivander wands he'll use the same feather from the two feathers from (laughs) the same phoenix and then you and then if you ever encounter that person they'll They'll fucking blow up, right? <laughs> oh like, my god! Imagine, imagine if someone from the Grigorovich company got caught wind of the of the Harry versus Voldemort duel in the graveyard, and was like, "Oh, this will be like ten years worth of ad material." Right? It's like you ev- don't want every every dragon heartstring. We use one from every dragon, and that's it. So that'll never happen to you. <laughs> that'll never happen to you. Yeah, like I want if 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 we are going to lean into like the wizarding world is just a satire of the muggle world. Do that. Satirize it, right? Like like do, do some fun stuff like that. Yeah, and there's just ways to like without info dumping to hint at a world that is deeper than what 
like Harry has to discover on the fly constantly. Yeah, I like uh, and and also like at least this is my plea for like all writers, but like if if you're going to do some stuff like this, at least lampshade it a little bit. Like going back to what you said about about like, you know, the way Harry learns about the world just like not being at all deep and him having no real understanding of it is like I wish I wish we knew more than the two wand makers that mattered for the story, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, throw at least a third one in there. <laughs> so, it, so it feels like a real world, you know, that where, where like, information doesn't only exist for the protagonist. Right. Like, like I don't know. Like, throw a third, like, who'd, who would another wand maker be? Hitachi. They're yep. good. Yeah, they they make a good wand, and Harry's mm-hmm. like, "Cool, sounds good." Doesn't matter to me though. And then and then he finds out about Grigorovich, and that one does matter to him. But at least we get the sense that like, oh, there is another. There are other wand companies that don't matter to the plot. The world just feels so small without that stuff. Yeah, it it really is like it, it is a. I want to know more, but the truth is there isn't any more. Like I think it really <laughs> right. is just that shallow. Mm-hmm. Which it's is crazy. Just, yeah, it's just such a bummer. The information. I mean, like, and and honestly, you know, we, we we're talking about this in the context of like wands and stuff, but I think that it ties in just the same with with the Deathly Hallows symbol. It's like this is supposed to be super important, but the only characters who know about it are the ones that have plot relevant information. There's yeah. not even there isn't even a single character. Like, could you imagine this this whole setup could be improved? It's you know it wouldn't be perfect. It would I would still want there to be more in like previous books or whatever. But like, imagine if like I don't know Harry had noticed that some people were giving Xenophilius a wide berth mm-hmm. at the wedding, or that like you know Fred and George had said something to each other that Harry didn't really understand about like, like what's that guy wearing? Like why, why has he got that? Why is he wearing that on? You know, not a good look Xenophilius or whatever. Right. Like build some sort of mystery around it before telling us that it's maybe the wizard swastika. He'll have crumb fight with him. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Come yeah, on, God, have crumb walk up character... and knock him out. Yeah. Having a character just say like, damn, I, 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 I would. It's like, okay, it would be cool if you did. Nothing else is going on at this wedding party. Let there be conflict. Let something happen. Yeah. Yep. 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 Instead, the closest thing we get is uh, uh, two... Two... Hold on. Okay. Octogenarian is eight. Nonagenarian... What would a... Centrogenarian. Yeah. Two centrogenarians arguing is the closest we get to any conflict here. Yeah, two that we don't know. Yeah. Arguing, uh, arguing about the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it, Mister Doge. Mr. It's me, Doge. Harry Potter. I don't care about this. <laughs> uh, Dumbledore I, I has almost some mis- do, which pisses me off. Uh, Dumbledore has got some stuff in his past. I appreciate the. Ha- 
I feel like I'm going through the motions here. I appreciate that Harry is like, oh, I don't think you're telling the whole truth because you're biased and you clearly are more interested in lionizing Dumbledore than you are about like talking about him about like as a real person. Also, Muriel is like, no, he sucks and comes up with all the most salacious rumors that she's ever heard. And I think it's cool that Harry's like, oh, is this like what happened to me, but in reverse? Mm hmm. And just immediately loses that thought. Well, yeah, because the ministry has fallen. Yeah, it's it, this. This is one of the most frustrating parts of this book so far for me, just because it's like it is so close to being interesting. Yeah, um, because it's, you know, it's finally talking about the thing we've always been talking about, which is like, damn, what if Dumbledore wasn't perfect? Good guy all the time. What if Dumbledore is a zombie? <laughs> what if? <laughs> Right. But instead, it just paints this picture because, of course, the truth, uh, you know, the story being what it is, the truth, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Right. Mm. Um, and it just like like it, it flirts with the idea that Dumbledore might not be the best guy, but Dumbledore is already dead. So <laughs> at worst, Rita Skeeter will like cancel a dead guy or whatever, which is like, okay, who cares? <laughs> um, and like, also, I don't have any real emotional stake in what Doge or Aunt Muriel thinks about Dumbledore. And so Harry just being here mediating this conversation and like the most he's getting out of it is like, uh, damn. Uh, uh, could my story actually have been interesting if it had actually happened this way? Like, it's so frustrating. It's just a character going like, damn, this story could have had some drama in it. And then the the truth being, no, it didn't. Yeah. I mean, even the stuff that Muriel is accusing Dumbledore of is so, like, low stakes and who cares to me? Like, yeah. I one, I don't really care. I have no connection to that family. I don't care if Kendra Dumbledore killed Ariana Dumbledore, who I've like I'm just hearing about now. Like that happened like we've heard of both of them. Yeah, like it's like I don't like that. Maybe that happened a hundred years ago. That, that's sad. Um, but even the like, yeah, Dumbledore didn't defend his sister. He just went off to Hogwarts to learn magic. I'm like, yeah, well, he's probably like eleven. So <laughs> right, yeah, you know. We've, okay. we've learned that you can't not go to school in this world. So no, the president, the president of magic, will show up at your house to ask you about it. <laughs> and that was the last thing they wanted because they had they had uh, what's her face locked up in. I've already forgotten her name. Ariana. Ariana. Yeah, they had Ariana Grande locked in the basement, That's saying, "No, nope, you can't. You can't go to school. You're not a wizard." And then, like, I guess Aberforth punched Dumbledore, and that's dramatic, I guess. I wish someone had punched someone at this wedding. <laughs> that's, that is so much of this book. We talked about this in, in previous chapters, too, but, like, the, the, here it's, like, really come to a head. So much of this book is characters just describing interesting stuff that's already happened elsewhere. Yeah. Like like information is just relayed to Harry about other cool stuff that's happened somewhere else. Um, again, just a, a casualty of this being a story locked to one POV all the time. Um, I like there, there's one line in here that I think is like genuinely clever 
and like characterful, which is when Aberforth is brought up uh, by Harry to Elphias. Elphias says like, oh, you know, if if you count out Aberforth, and it seems like a lot of people do count out Aberforth, and I'm just remembering, like, what he wrote about Aberforth, which is like, damn, his brother was stupid, <laughs> or whatever. Like, that was, pre- like, th- I thought that was pretty funny. Like, that's some good, subtle character, like, obliviousness there. Yeah, I think Doge um, was actually written pretty well as, Yeah, like, he's fine. I, I, like, the, the frustration of Harry being like, I, I just want to know what happened and having Doge be just like way more just invested in making Dumbledore out to be just an angel yeah. is like, I, I can kind of get into Harry's frustration here. Yeah. The, the, the before Muriel appears to like shift Harry back in the other direction, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like this, this conversation between Harry and Alphias and the way it's sort of like either consciously or unconsciously, it's sort of hard to tell whether Harry realizes it, but like Alphias Doge basically behaves the same way about Dumbledore that Harry does to everyone else. Right. Um, and, and I think that Harry realizing that like that feels like talking to a brick wall is some good just desserts for Harry in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and kind of fun for him to like get a taste of his own medicine here. Like, Oh fuck, this guy is so fucking annoying. All he does is talk about how great Dumbledore is. Um, and I just wish that his like hunt for the truth about Dumbledore didn't result in like Dumbledore getting up on the cross about like dabbling in dark magic one time as a teenager <laughs> at the end in the in purgatory or whatever which like, like really is just Dumbledore also saying he dabbled in being gay as a teenager and getting right. up on the cross about that cuz that's <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry though I killed my boyfriend. Uh, um <laughs> yeah I I it's it is I do like the just desserts angle for Harry especially because like that's the frustration we've had to deal with him because I have not forgotten that Harry read those two articles and then immediately bellowed lies out the window. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is very funny, but I do like that it kind of was like eating at him and also the angle of him being like, oh, Dumbledore, my father figure, I guess, didn't really tell me anything about himself ever. Um, So, like, I, I think that's all well and good. I'm kind of raising my eyebrows a little bit in retrospect about Harry being like, damn, Ariana, that's like what happened to me in reverse. Because it's like almost like Harry realizing he's been like a victim of reverse racism. Because <laughs> this is now like an allegory about, <laughs> about how people are like the muggles are, are discriminated against. Like, oh, man, wouldn't that be messed up? But Harry being like, wow. And I was discriminated against oh, for being a fuck. wizard. Oh no! Oh, I had, I had not put that together. Holy shit! <laughs> I mean, it would work fine if it was just like a story about abuse, right? Like, oh, Ariana yeah. was abused too. But no, the story has shifted, right? It's a story <laughs> about a a squib being like hurt because she didn't have magic, and Harry's like, "Damn, me too." <laughs> But the opposite. <laughs> the opposite. They they put me in the closet because I could blow things up with my mind. Right. <laughs> oh, that is yeah. I had not made that connection, but you're totally right. It's a really weird angle for him to take. 
<sighs> it's it's too bad because, like you said, I think Doge is like a a well realized character, mm-hmm. and I think Muriel is as well. Um, and I just wish that like they existed for more than just this scene, right? Um, just like the Grigorovich stuff and the Wand Makers and, and whatnot. It's this world is so thin. It mm-hmm. all exists only for Harry's benefit. Characters exist just to like appear in front of Harry to have a plot important conversation. They're not characters. Uh like they have no they have like no motivations, they have no like real stakes in the story. They just they they come, they say their lines for like it's weirdly like Harry lives in the Truman show. Yeah. Is what this feels like. Like, the whole world is orchestrated for him and his story. Uh, and, like, it it's just frustrating. Like, Muriel is a fun, vampy character, but she only appears for this one scene. Like, there are so many, like, uh, Weasley family get-together scenes that we've had previously where she could have shown up and, like, you know, I'm not asking for her to be like a fully fleshed out three dimensional incredible character, but like have her show us that she exists in the world, you know, mm-hmm. likewise with Doge. It's like, Do- like Alphias Doge, he showed up to write an obituary and then repeat the contents of the obituary to Harry three chapters later. Like, I don't know, give, give, give us something else about this guy. Uh, it just, it just only serves to make the story feel empty and and hollow and like everything exists just for harry and by extension for us to be fed information to make the plot work yeah and i I think that's like uh, like obviously that is factually true right like because that's what a story is but again like it is bizarre how ineffective it is at any window dressing to create the illusion right. of anything else going on. And and it's weird considering like, I think that's like kind of one of the things that Harry Potter is most known for is like creating a world. Right. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems yeah, pretty world? thin. Um, yeah. I mean, it was like we were talking about on our bonus episode this week, like storytelling is the art of telling good lies. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I'm I if 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 there's no flair, if there's no like passion to it, I think I I think last week I described like this book as passionless, and I think I'm standing by that. Like it's there's you you need to dress this stuff up. It can't just be plot elements. It needs to have even if at the end of the day the purpose of a story is to deliver the plot elements to you like you still want you still want it to 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 arrange everything in a way to hide that right cuz the because if 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 it's not you might as well just be reading a wikipedia article right if there's no artifice if there's no if there's no panache and it's like all the all the ingredients for a pizza are here but J.K. Rowling refuses to cook it, right? Like it's just like here, have have here's here's a crust and some cheese. <laughs> like, fuck you. I, I just want to write about this wedding. Yeah, and she sure does. 
Yeah. <sighs> it is it is just so thin and and uh dispassionate is what I will call it. It's just not interesting. Like I'm I'm not bought into this world. There is no world. There are no characters. There are just puppets that say the plot to Harry so he can put it together. Like Crumb just takes out his wand and Harry goes, "Oh, Grigorovich." Like Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> there's no there's no deeper connection than that or like more interesting setup than that. He just well, he has to remember who Grigorovich was, the character we were uh, uh he had a convenient dream about last chapter. Things it's just got to keep moving, just got keep moving the plot forward. That's it. That's all that matters and it's it's just a bummer. It it creates a funny effect when Harry is affected by the idea that like Dumbledore never told me that he lived in the same neighborhood my parents lived in and I'm like, "Yeah, Harry, there's like two neighborhoods. Like what like there there aren't any others." <laughs> In fact, we we know that there are um there's only one wizard only village. Yeah. So it, as far as we know, all all that exists are the wizard only village and then Godric's Hollow, the uh one that's mo- both, I guess. Yeah, and like we know that the Potters were part of like the 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 nine families or the seven families or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. of course they'd live next to the Dumbledores. Like there's like two places in this in this <laughs> world. Everyone knows each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. The ministry has yeah. fallen. I don't know what that means. Like I can't think of a less interesting like political maneuver than like sa- sounding like just like I don't know. Voldemort showed up at the castle and like killed the king. Yeah. Which. <laughs> is something that we have said like i think since book five like why doesn't voldemort just do that like like what what is in place to keep him from doing that he went to the ministry he all through book five the mystery was like ooh, who are these people he's using to infiltrate the ministry and then he just fucking shows up at the end to have a fight right so he clearly could have just walked in there and done it at any point um the, the like the political maneuvering that has been alluded to in the past couple books is just so meaningless because it's like, well, we don't know what the wizarding government is like other than I guess it's basically the same as the real world government just with wizards. So like we don't get any we don't get like any sense of like what that politicking is like even, you know, like we don't get any like Game of Thrones like council scenes or anything here. Like we just we're supposed to again, like like the wedding, like the um uh, like the religious allegories, like the uh, everything else in this in this fucking series. It's like, well, you know what a government is. He did government stuff. The end. Okay, cool. Thanks. I, I, I guess I'm, no passion. I'm curious, like how it's going to play out, because the way it feels like it is, is it's like this to me is like less scary than Voldemort info has had, like he had infiltrated right. it and was basically using it as like a puppet government. Whereas this yeah, to me is just scarier. like, okay, he showed up and like killed the the king and there's no government now. And now it's the purge. So I'm just like, I don't, I mean, it's kind of the same functionally to me. Yeah. It's, um, 
you're right. Yeah, it, it is. It is way scarier to think about like, oh, I don't know what exactly the government does that's Voldemort related. Other than, you know, like like having some suspense hanging over the story rather than just like, well, he's now the good king is dead and now there's evil king. It's like, OK, cool. I well, guess. actually, it just like simplifies things, really, because the the ministry was this like huge obstacle because they were purposefully enabling Voldemort. Or maybe mm-hmm. doing it out of out of like stupidity and incompetence mm-hmm. in J.K. Rowling's world, um, and in that way they were this huge obstacle that had the power of like surveillance and bureaucracy mm-hmm. standing in the way of like killing the evil king. But now the ministry is the evil king, so that's like <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. that's way Problem simpler. Solved. Yeah, now there's only one enemy. Good, great. Story is a lot simpler now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just. Um, Guess we got to get object we... so we can kill evil king. Yeah. Oh yes. Let's before we wrap up this chapter discussion. Yeah. Can we talk about object? Oh yeah. And how wanting object is bad. Mm. Unless you're the protagonist, in which case wanting object good. <laughs> Dumbledore needs to be evil for this to work, and I can't believe that he's not. Like, I cannot mm-hmm. believe that we are going to get to the end and have Dumbledore be like, actually, I'm good. Ha ha. Yeah. And that's like, oh, yeah. good. That's <laughs> wonderful. Because I guess the things that we're, like, accusing Dumbledore of and, like, the lesson that he learned is that, like, he can't be trusted with powerful object. Yeah. Powerful object is bad. Mm-hmm. I guess. It's it's very funny to try and square that with like what Dumbledore's whole deal is, because the thing is, in most stories where there is object, mm. object represent power. Right. Um, you know, Lord of the Rings is the obvious go to, right? Because, you know, the first question a lot of people always have about Lord of the Rings is like, what does the ring actually do? And there's never really a concrete answer for that in those books. Right. It just, it symbolizes having power over nations, right? Um, And that's kind of really all it needs to do for the story to work. Um, And, like, Frodo carrying the ring around and going, like, oh, am I going to put ring on? Am I going to take power? Mm -hmm. Like, the conflict there is because he's a little hobbit guy and he doesn't have any power. Right. He has like, he has like a knife um, and he has some friends and like, that's it. Yep. Dumbledore is so powerful <laughs> that he gets phone calls from governments on the reg asking, please Dumbledore, please save us. Please solve politics for us. Please become the president. Please become the president. And he says, no, actually, I I prefer having all of the power of the president with none of the responsibilities. Um, He is on the Supreme Court. Yeah. He runs the wizard school, which is like the future power factory. We are shown that if anyone tries to enforce anything like any consequences to him he is immune his magic is too powerful yeah like you he, you cannot stop him from yeah. doing anything 
<laughs> he is ins- he is literally called by everyone admiringly the most powerful wizard in the world. So this whole thing about how he learned that like oh you can't seek objects which equal power really rings hollow because it would be like if Frodo had like if if Frodo had an M16 in the in the Lord of the Rings world and could just mow everyone down with his gun and also was the king if he was also Aragorn and was the rightful king like it was it doesn't work right it's like you you have the power already you can't have things that symbolize power tempting a character who already has all of the power like it it, it doesn't it doesn't make for an interesting character arc for Dumbledore cuz it's like well yeah i guess if he had the deathly hallows and was immortal that would be he would be like god bad but he's good so <laughs> it's very confusing and it's it is funny to see that be his conflict because it's like he never learned right he didn't get in with a bad crowd and then have to come away with it as like it's bad to exert power over people or to think that you're better than other people or Mm -hmm. to do fascism or like whatever Mm -hmm. lesson he could learn. He literally just comes away with like, I cannot be trusted with objects. (laughs) You cannot put powerful objects in front of me. I cannot resist powerful objects. I, I will do power, but it's like, he already has it, you know? And he already knew that lesson, right? That's the thing that we, are supposed to know about him is that he has always been kind and has always respected even the smallest creature. Mm -hmm. His character goes nowhere. If anything, the only thing that you can take away from it is that it was bad that he had a boyfriend, which yikes. (laughs) Yeah. I just, it, it is, uh, it is storytelling that is borrowing from a lot of really familiar concepts. So, like the broad strokes are there. I know what story this is supposed to be, right? It, it, again, it's supposed to be a like a Lord of the Rings or a you know n- name name any story about a powerful object that corrupts, right? It's like yeah, but it that's, doesn't because wor- <laughs> Harry right. is supposed to have it because Harry should have it because he can be trusted with it because he's um, ready to die. I guess. Well, he, specifically, he he is ready to die, and also he throws them away at the end. He gets the power and then refuses to use it. So, I guess question mark on that. Mm. Like it's it's just a mess, and it's and it it is it is impossible to have this like oh it's about power story when the character in question is literally the most powerful person in the story. Not even Voldemort can defeat him. It took it took a like it, it took Dumbledore going like, "Damn, I should fake my own death, or not fake my I, I should die to motivate my child soldier to murder Voldemort." Uh, it took that to kill him. He died on his own terms, secretly, I guess. So like, he's never conceded power. It's just a mess, right? Like, like not, none of these gestures towards classic storytelling mean anything because she doesn't put the work into making her own story match up with those old stories, right? 
Yeah, I don't know about having your, like, Winston Churchill character be the guy that, like, concedes power because it corrupts, you know? It's a little bit of a, uh, <laughs> kind of a rough that, one. Yeah, that thing Winston Churchill was very famous for doing was, uh, 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 decreasing the power of empire, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also, I really have to hand it to her for making, uh, Grindelwald's symbol, both the swastika and the Triforce, um, as like a thing, <laughs> like a thing that you have to go find. Like you have to go and collect all the different bits of the swastika to put them together. That is crazy. How did she manage that? <laughs> <sighs> Stupid book. It's quite bad. Stupid book. It's quite bad. Is there anything else we want to talk about in this chapter, or shall we take a quick break? Um, I did have a most highlighted line, and it's the one the Ooh. one where Harry sees the I almost called it the Triforce, sees the Deathly Hallows for the first time. It's literally oh, it just describes it. Yes. It's just like Harry <laughs> saw the triangle that Xenophilius had. It's like a triangle with a line and a circle, and everyone's like, oh damn. I'm highlighting this. I know that symbol. I yeah, I've got that on my car. I've got that on my car. <laughs> I've got that tattoo. Right. That is so weird that that is a common tattoo. Like, I guess I guess it really just goes to show that this book really doesn't actually draw the swastika parallel very well. I don't think it ever comes up again. I think it's just Crumb mm, yeah. saying, like, I'll knock you out if you wear it. And then it just doesn't. Yeah. It's like, oh, but Harry has to find it and then uses it to defeat the villain. Right. Like, it's a right. weird, um, like, reversal yeah, yeah. Which, I don't know about that one. Very weird. All right. Well, this is another chapter that I could keep grousing about the world building in for like another hour, but we should probably take a break. Sounds good. We'll be back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I am so delighted that we finally have something good to look forward to in our third segments. Yeah, it's about time. It's about time. I'm, you know, I think as as the books have continued, as as things have gone on, we've like, the, I think like the energy of the show has shifted where like, new segment used to be the funniest every time, I think, because mm. it used to just be that like all the wacky, like, Here's a Harry Potter escape room by some nerds in Kentucky or whatever. Yeah. Or or here's a dumb new action figure that looks really funny. Um, so we kind of front loaded it with a lot of jokes at first. Then the third segments would always be like the most cursed. Mm. Because mm-hmm. I can't because it's very easy to find some some dark shit on the internet to uh to read. <laughs> yeah. Um but I think as the books are getting worse and the news is getting worse. The priority is, like, there's a necessary shift that's happening here. Or I think the third segment is where we just get to do something fun. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I've said it a couple times, like, a couple weeks in a row, that, like, news and then the book being bad, I, like, keep saying, like, I feel like I'm drinking poison. <laughs> um, and so I think it's good to not drink poison at the end also because that's too much poison you can have you can have a little bit of poison yeah um but you can't have too much so i need a i need an antidote yeah we're gonna drink some nice antidote here by reading 
some more of those delightful Write Your Own Harry Potter Book 7 endings from BeyondHogwarts.com. They're the, a balm to my, so my fevered brow. These, uh, for those of you who are just joining us, are all endings uh, that were proposed on the Beyond Hogwarts website uh, uh, two weeks before the book came out. Um, the only uh, requirement is that the last word in all of these be scar, because for a while the understanding was that the last book in the, the last word in the book would be scar. Right. So without further ado, shall we get started? Yeah. There, right before him, Harry saw the pair of haunting eyes, red, dead. It was almost <laughs> at once that he realized he had accomplished the task that thousands of wizards have failed to, the destruction of the Dark Lord Voldemort. Yet many sacrificed, including the dead dragon with a silver beard before him, Albus what? Dumbledore. <gasps> Weeping in the graveyard of great witches and wizards, Harry approached the huge lake on the far end of the dark forest, looked down, his scar, dot, 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 Nothing in Harry Potter is that cool. Dumbledore could have come back as a big red dragon. Fuck yeah! Well, no, uh, yeah, he's a a big dragon with a silver beard. Where did I get? Oh, I was thinking of the red eyes, the red dead, red dead redemption Voldemort eyes. <laughs> red dead redemption Voldemort. Yeah, <laughs> Voldemort became a cowboy in the last book. Sure, I, why not? I don't understand why we have ten objects introduced to us in book seven to go and find and like find sword find rock find cup uh when it could be like dumbledore coming back as a dragon voldemort being a cowboy it just doesn't make sense yeah it's uh there's so much cool stuff you could do I will take Voldemort being a cowboy. If he just decided, if like he, if he just decided in book seven, that like, you know what? My aesthetic now is I'm wearing a big hat and I'm wearing, I'm using two wands and I'm going to twirl them around like, like revolvers. I'll take that. Sure. I'll definitely take Dumbledore coming back as a dragon. Uh, oh yeah. That's fucking sick. Right. Was he like a dragon the whole time? Yeah. Is he, he like, like got a spell, like a spell that was like, if you die, you'll come back as a dragon one time. Can because that would be a cool spell. Can you be like an animagus but for dragons? Maybe. It's, I mean, maybe because like your Patronus, I think are normally like regular animals. But I think yeah. if you're like super special, you can have a a magical animal as your Patronus. Because I think that's yeah. how the quiz works: is that you, there's like a one percent chance or something to get like a unicorn or a like a, a griffin or something yeah. or a crop. Um, so maybe animagus is like the same. Like you'll probably be a regular animal, but some people like you could be a dragon. You or could, could be, be a, a dragon. Yeah, damn, I love that. That would be fucking sweet. There is a dragon showdown in this book. Oh, I wonder. Hmm. I wonder if that news had come out or maybe the book cover had been released and there was a dragon on it and people were like, oh, I've got to work a dragon in here somewhere. I know that it's good for world building for like certain powers in the magical world to be rare, I guess, because if they weren't, then everyone would just do it. 
kind of, but I don't respect any wizard that doesn't spend time trying to figure out what their animagus form is. Like, yeah, what <laughs> what could they be doing that is more important than being able to turn into your special animal at will? Yeah, wizards. So everyone on Tumblr, everyone on Twitter always has to like post like a poll for all their followers. Say like, what would my fursona be? Right. And and in the wizarding world, you can just literally find out. Yeah. You can you can get a definitive answer if you put the effort in. Um and yeah, I agree. I don't respect anyone who doesn't at least, you know, you don't have to be an animagus, you know, but at least do enough work to find out what you would be. That would be sick. I guess if there's like a, if like you're disappointed, you might be like, need to do the rest of the work because i don't want to be a trout you know like I, like like that is not useful to me that's not cool but like what if you are a dragon and you don't find out because you don't try oh what if it would be what if that was like the wizarding equivalent of like you know instead of apparition being this for the wizarding world what if it was like that was like your the the wizard teen equivalent of like your driver's lesson and getting your first car Right. Is like, okay, well, you've got to find out what animal you are. And like, oh, every kid is like, oh, damn, I hope I'm a panther. Right. I hope, I hope I'm a, I hope I'm like a cool cheetah or a, or a wolf or something. And then they get like a, I don't know, like a Boston Terrier. And they're like, oh, I wanted a cooler car, dad. Right. Um, but, they, you know, then they learn to, then they learn to like it and, and be happy with what they have. Yeah. I just don't know why they don't explore that more. Because we know that teens love like BuzzFeed quizzes, MySpace quizzes. <laughs> and this is like the ultimate one, right? It's like, I'm a panther. I'm a goat. <laughs> the the wizarding world, uh, what would they, they, there must be like no clickbait economy in the wizarding world. They just don't care. They just don't care because they can actually find that stuff out. It's like, right, oh, and what don't I for some reason. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, they have no intellectual curiosity. <laughs> as well <laughs> so they can't even be hoodwinked into clicking stuff they'll be like oh yeah uh take our 20 20 question quiz to find out what animal you are and everyone's just like i don't care i have to hit the books so god I can it really is like that it's like uh not interested <laughs> you can no, turn into you. an animal yeah he found out that you could just literally turn like <laughs> he has a teacher turn into a cat in front of him Every day, uh, 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 as an eleven-year-old, he's just like, "Okay, well, I don't there's, care." There's there's no excuse that not every single one of those kids wasn't immediately like, "How do I do that?" First day, <laughs> right? Of class. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm gonna try. Like, I understand it's like supposed to be really advanced, but you'd think there would at least be like a large circle of kids that like transfiguration is their favorite subject and they work really hard at it because they want to turn into an animal. Yeah, I say that because I would be that. Yeah, no, I absolutely I would be too. If I could, t if 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 you put me in school and one of the electives was turning into an animal, that sounds fucking badass. Hell yeah, right. I want to be like it'll be you. You can't lose if you're a, if you're like I don't know if you're a cool wolf or a lion. Like that's pretty sweet, right? You know, oh, I'm the king of the jungle. Sometimes, yeah. Or right. if you're like a little rat and then you're like, hell yeah, I can be a little rat. I can scamper around. I can get, I can sneak into places. I yeah. Can... And again, like aside from like trout, I just don't think there's like really a bad option. Yeah. 
yeah it, it, it's it's once you get over like the initial disappointment of like oh damn i'm like a i'm like a i don't know like a normal cat or something but then at the end of the day you're still a person turning into a damn cat that's pretty cool i think that's cool yeah i think that's cool i would do that i wish that we got some more anime just content in this series and i definitely wish that dumbledore was a dragon anime just that sounds sick yeah it was all over the pain the torture the friendship (laughs) harry was gone and so was his destroyer ron harry never realized ron had been possessed there were so many memories of them together Harry never dreamed Ron would kill him. That's why Voldemort's plan worked so well. They were so close. Such an unbreakable friendship. The only memory left of Harry is at the place where he had been murdered. Right when he collapsed, something appeared. On the ground, in memory of Harry, a lightning-shaped scar. (laughs) Um, I love this. Yeah. I love Bad End, first of all. Yeah, hell yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, I love Ron the Destroyer. <laughs> Ron the Destroyer is a great <laughs> name. Good title. <laughs> um, so I, I guess the implication is that Ron was possessed the whole time, right? Yeah, I could buy. Again, I've talked about this a lot, but like, I understand the yearning for like there to be a big twist in this series. Yeah, I I think it would be cheap. Yeah. But I would t- I'm t- I'm at the point where I'd take just about anything and having like a main cast character be a betrayer, a yeah. destroyer perhaps. Yeah, the de- I'd take the it. destroyer, Ron the destroyer. I like the imagery that uh Ron apparently obliterated him so hard he just turned into a <laughs> scar on the ground. Just completely vaporized Harry. <laughs> just completely owned him that that's a good image i like that good for him um personally i'm more of a fan of um the idea of hermione being evil Mm. mostly because she's been like the joker since yeah book four and then i think that would at least she would get something to do yeah like if she betrayed them or was evil or um also she could be like the cool like evil witch yeah like archetype thing like that could be cool but um but no i'll take ron the destroyer if i must ron the destroyer yeah there's another one here this seems to be a running theme with a few of these Mm. uh no it didn't just happen thought harry the last person he would expect to assist voldemort was can you guess take a guess who stan shenpike who is the betrayer um uh, <laughs> Dumbledore. <laughs> the last person he would expect to assist Voldemort was Neville. Oh, ne- shit. Neville stood in front of him, both of them panting. Neville said, Haha, I thought it would be harder to kill Ron and Hermione, but Hermione yes! was too concentrated on you. She didn't even see I made the Avada Kedavra curse. But <sighs> since she had Sirius's mirror, it hit Ron. Oh, shit. Harry was shocked. He couldn't move. He stared at his wand on the ground, three steps away from him, but he couldn't pick it up. Avada Kedavra. Harry fell. He died before he hit the floor. On Neville's forehead appeared a scar. Mmm. I like that a lot. I like this one. I love 
Neville's extended James Bond villain monologue here. Ha ha. I, I thought it would be harder to kill Ron and Hermione, but Hermione was too concentrated on you. She didn't even see I made the curse. And since she had Sirius's mirror held, it hit Ron. Did the curse bounce off of the mirror? Yeah. Is I that guess the implication? Hit, yeah, I guess I guess he got a twofer. Wait, it hit them. It hit her and then bounced and hit both of them. I guess. Or maybe I think he... the video. I think the AAA video game should consider some sort of complicated mirror puzzle. <laughs> Actually, Uh-oh. no. Careful. Don't, I hate that. Yeah, careful. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't want one of those. I played that um, uh, that Star Wars game from last year. Jedi, yeah. Jedi mm. Fallen Order. Yep. Pretty good game. I enjoyed it. I think sure. the worst part of the game was there was an extended mirror puzzle sequence that drove me fucking crazy. So please <sighs> do not put any mirror puzzles in that Harry Potter game. <laughs> I'm begging you. <laughs> As Harry hit the floor, he awoke in his bedroom in Privet Drive. Mm. Phew, he turned to Hedwig. It was only a, but he broke off seeing that Hedwig's cage was empty. He began to search his bedroom for her, not registering the way he was gliding across his room. And as he passed his mirror, he couldn't help but notice that he looked different. A closer look revealed that he was Hedwig. He had somehow been transformed into his snowy owl. <laughs> oh no, he hooted. No one will recognize me now. He began until he saw that he still had his lightning-shaped scar. <laughs> okay, here's the problem yeah. with this. This is the beginning of this of a story, not the end. <laughs> I have yes. to know more. I yeah, I want to know what happens. He turned into Hedwig. This is I'm similar to the the, the Animages <laughs> discussion. That's that's powerful. If he become if he can become an owl, is he warging? Is this like is this like Game of Thrones? Or is he the owl? He, like Harry become Hedwig. <laughs> Harry become Hedwig, Tonks become normal. <laughs> oh, I love that. I do have one objection to this. Mm. Mostly, it's great. I want to know more. Um, I, I kind of object to the idea that birds experience flying as just gliding, <laughs> or, like hovering around. <laughs> I think flying, if you're a bird... Is like a thing that you do under effort. your own power, right? Yeah, you, that takes effort. You, they're probably thinking, probably most of their brain is dedicated to that, I would assume. I think they know they're, I mean, I, I know that they can't like self-reflect on it. Yeah. But like they probably know that they're doing it. Yeah. Does it doesn't this, just happen. Does does Is Harry as Hedwig looking at himself in the mirror here, is this the first time a bird has passed the mirror test? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> this, Except this for those is, ones that are like the one that can for some reason. Those which one is, birds. Is that, a, is that a parrot? Yeah, something. Parrots can pass the mirror test? Or like one something. kind they say they do. I don't remember. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah, I do I do like this though. I'm also not quite sure about how a scar is showing through the head feathers, but that's okay. Maybe the feathers themselves are colored. It's like a dye. Mm. It's like a marking. That'd be kind of cool. Sure. This this one I find interesting because I think presented here it's just random like like what if Harry turned into Hedwig. Yeah. Um but thinking about it in context of the book that we got, 
Uh-huh. I I kind of like the idea of like Hedwig died, but then <laughs> maybe Harry dies, but his consciousness gets transferred to Hedwig. So they're like it's sort like sort of half a detective Pikachu sort of situation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that working somehow, maybe. I thought that when the mirror came up that it was going to be Harry waking up like having died and then woke up as a vampire. So I, the <laughs> owl thing was a twist. Yeah. Yeah. Voldemort failed to put Slytherin's locket away. Harry caught it. Yes, Harry yelled. <laughs> no, yelled Voldemort. <laughs> uh-huh. And stepped back in chalk and stood over the veil. Harry got an idea. He took the heavy locket and screamed catch and threw it right into Voldemort's <laughs> chest. The height was enough to make him lose balance and he fell into the veil. Then he remembered the last Horcrux was not yet destroyed. He felt a horrible pain in his scar, but it would soon end and he knew what to do. He pointed his wand at the scar and screamed Avada Kedavra. Mm. It was over. He knew it. He stood in a room without walls. It was all pearly white. Ooh. Ooh. They kind of got this right. Interesting. They kind of got this detail right. Mm. He saw the mirror of Erised. He looked at it. There he saw his parents. His mother laid her hand on his shoulder. Harry stretched for her hand, and now he finally felt it. They l- just stood and smiled <laughs> at each other. We are literally just standing. <laughs> then Harry looked at himself in the mirror and smiled. Yeah, it is really over, he thought. Finally, it was gone. The scar. Um... I, that's wonderful. Clearly, this person predicted some stuff. Um, not that it's very difficult. Um, but I love the scheme to get Voldemort to die. Yeah, just saying, here, here catch. Here, catch. That's a, that's a good trick. I don't know that, if anyone's tried that against Voldemort. That's a, that's, this is a, and I mean, this, this is, this is a compliment to the person who wrote this and an insult to Marvel movies at the mm. same time. This is a this is a Guardians of the Galaxy ending. Mm, this is how yeah. they this is how they would kill a bad guy in in a in a Guardians movie, and I think that I think that that is blessed for this for this author to have come up with that idea. Yeah. Um. And and uh, uh, I shame on the Marvel people for just uh, clearly trawling the forums here and stealing these great ideas. There's another one that kind of um identifies a so like so like that one had the um the purgatory room and harry dying right right here's another one that kind of gets gets a uh takes a shot in the dark and gets one of the ideas right here harry stepped back suddenly as the ruins of the room came into view the only thing left whole and unaffected as before the battle was the veiled archway standing proudly at the bottom of the steps on a raised stone dais as if waiting Harry, a voice suddenly croaked, you will now feel what it is like to die. You will see your dear mudblood mother soon, Harry. The last thing Harry saw was a green flash and then silence. If this was death, it wasn't too bad. The fog seemed to be clearing and everything was coming back into focus. The last thing Harry saw before he collapsed were the bodies strewn everywhere. The bodies of Lupin, Percy, Snape, Mm. Ginny, (laughs) Voldemort. Uh. The curse had once again rebound on its caster. But this time, Lord Voldemort would not be reborn. This time, he had no horcruxes and no means to come back to life. The boy who lived had finally defeated Voldemort, all thanks to his scar. But everyone died. 
Everyone died. But I, I like that I like that they identified that the book would end with Harry going like, okay, Lupin's dead, they're dead, Percy's dead, Fred's just just a list. A list of dead characters. Yeah. No... That's definitely true. Here's a dramatic one. Mm. Ginny stood in front of the stone monuments. She hadn't been able to get back there for years. Her brother, her sister-in-law, Harry. She collapsed and began to sob, wailing in a way she hadn't since they all died. <laughs> there were other stone coffins here, but none so carefully decorated. Why the hell didn't Harry let her go? He knew just how she felt about all of this. You, you were the most stubborn man I ever knew, she whimpered. Who, who you to, who you to decide <laughs> what I do with my life? Mm. You just walked away, and then in all caps, who would walk away from they love? She screamed at the center tomb, both more satisfied for seeing it and feeling guilty at the same time. Mm. For the rest of her time there, she said nothing, only watching the stone coffins with a mixture of emotions she could never quite sort out throughout her life. A footstep echoed behind her. Who's there? She yelled, wand out. A man walked over to Ginny with gray hair and even ever pale skin, black robed and in a snake leather cloak, was Draco Ooh. Malfoy. Ooh. I figured you'd be here. Ginny didn't lower her wand. I saw you fight Harry. If it wasn't for you, he'd still be here with me. Her eyes were red, but she didn't dare cry in front of this monster. I found it, he said. Slowly, Draco extended his arm and opened his hand. There inside was Voldemort's wand, snapped in two, with a phoenix feather clearly burned up inside. The last horcrux is gone. Voldemort's dead for good. Ginny stared at it with a stone face. No one could ever find the last horcrux, and after the Daily Prophet printed its existence, everyone was afraid he would return again. <laughs> then who would be around to stop him this time? But now, in the flash of a second, she saw Voldemort was truly dead. Draco said little else after he shifted to the coffin and swung his wand over it. The coffin's top opened, and in, in it was a Harry Potter who, under its magic, was still the fresh 19-year-old man when he died. Ah, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> they just have a teenager in stasis in this coffin, I guess. Sure. Draco placed the wand pieces in next to harry's wand and resealed the coffin but not before Ginny could catch one more time a glimpse of harry's scar i i think there's a kernel of a very scary idea which is that um wizards could have like perfect preservation technology yeah you know like you could magic the like perfect preservation formaldehyde that someone could stay <laughs> preserved in the exact like bodily state is when they died and so like every dead wizard is just like a body forever yeah that's that a doesn't little, like decay it's a little scary i don't know i don't know where you go with that but it's a scary idea that i think that's, is cool that is a that's a cool idea that i think is also interesting to think about in like conjunction with the themes of the story about how like immortality and stuff is bad yeah and this idea that like like oh like what sort of i don't know what sort of psychological damage are you doing to everyone by like not letting bodies disintegrate and like yeah. return to the earth or whatever like oh you've just got endless corpses that are just perfectly preserved forever for everyone to see like that's kind of neat i mean it could be cool in a world where the soul is a canon thing that exists and is like identifiable and it could sort of be like 
um, like the the like urban legend of like Walt Disney like freezing his head, <laughs> right. right? Just like yeah, in yeah. the in the hopes that it, like somewhere down the line, someone will figure out how to like rejoin the soul with the body. Mm-hmm. So like, of course, a wizard would want to preserve their body, yeah, just in case. Yeah, that'd be sick. Oh, everyone in here has better ideas than anything that's in the book right also what was draco wearing in this scene because it sounded really good some sort of like snake skin robe snake leather robe very cool this one has good this one's got good stuff in it this one's got good i like i like the idea of uh of draco with silver hair and a snake skin robe very yeah it's like harry didn't finish the job and so draco became like some sort of like cool horcrux hunter guy yeah he's like a cool anti-hero I like that. Drake. Oh, that give me that. That's some good shit. Yeah. The adventures of the adventures of cool silver fox Draco with a mm-hmm. big, big leather coat. I'm into this. Do you think he talks like Geralt? Yes. Uh, looking for <laughs> looking for the last Horcrux. <laughs> the snakeskin coat just makes me think of the Matrix jackets, which I'm all for. Absolutely. Okay. I got two more here, I think. Sure. Harry was under his invisible cloak. He put the time turner he had gotten from McGonagall inside of his robe. He was standing outside of his parents' house waiting for Voldemort. He had destroyed <sighs> all of the Horcruxes. <laughs> Voldemort would be vanquished tonight. Mm. Harry saw Voldemort coming up the path. He took off his cloak and stepped out where Voldemort could see him. <laughs> Voldemort thought he was James, he said. Step aside, I am here for the boy. Harry said, I am the boy. Then he raised his <laughs> wand and said, Avada Kedavra. <laughs> I am the boy. I am the boy. <laughs> yes, I'm so into this. <sighs> Step aside, I'm here for the boy. Harry said, I am the boy. Then he raised his wand and said, Avada Kedavra. Voldemort screamed, no, not death. (laughs) (laughs) Voldemort hit the ground dead with Anne's scared look on his face. Harry looked at the house with his parents inside. All the bad memories he had was gone. He knew he would not be known as the boy who lived. He would be Harry Potter, just Harry Potter, without the scar. Just the boy. I am the boy. (laughs) The boy. Um, this author has characterized Voldemort a lot better than I like him in, than in the later books, because I like that he's just like, oh, no, not death. <laughs> no, not death. That's the last thing I want. <laughs> it's the one thing I didn't want to have happen. Specifically after. the thing that I don't want. <laughs> I Honestly, though, I kind of like this time travel back to uh, uh, Harry's parents' murder to prevent it. Yeah, I like the looper thing for sure. Out, outside um, of outside of the fact that they very pointedly show that, like, like there's a hilarious scene in in uh, Order of the Phoenix where they're like, "Oops, we knocked over every time turner and broke them." Yeah, this would work. I would I would love a time heist ending to Harry Potter. That would be kind of cool. I mean, it's funny. I'd like to know more about the time turners a little bit. In that, like, it's like, yeah, they broke all of them, but also they appear to be, you know. Man-made, yeah, so... Yeah, mass-produced. 
so I'm not sure why they couldn't just make more. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if there's like some sort of like finite material that was just like made into all of the time turners that is now lost or if it's like lost technology. Nobody knows how to make them anymore. I like that the so there was the whole thing in in um, Azkaban where like she, Hermione and, and when they used it to go back, they they could only go back like a few hours. Right. Like mm-hmm. at most. What if Harry, like, went back to the Department of Mysteries and, like, vacuumed up all of the sand mm. from, from when the um, when the shelf got pushed over and just made, like, a big time turner? And they're like, yeah. this, this one will take you back. <laughs> this one will take you back, like, ten years. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that a lot. That it would be, be far enough back, but... <laughs> well, yeah, it would, it would need to be... I guess it would need to be 18 years, but still... <laughs> If Harry um, gathered up and destroyed all the Horcruxes in the quote-unquote future and then time-traveled back to kill Voldemort, would that be the plot of Endgame? Oh, that kind of is the plot of Endgame, isn't it? I think this person might have written Endgame. We we have one person write Guardians, we had another person write Endgame here. Yeah, because the Horcrux would be like the stupid crystal things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we we've gotten multiple incredible better future endings here. Yeah. Like 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 imagine if Harry Potter had an ending this good. Right. We also had a couple that had like a few predictions in them. Yeah. I'm going to read you one here that's a little spooky. Okay. Ron stood, his hand on his son's shoulder. Have a good term, Harry. Hermione bent down to kiss him, a single tear in her eye. Promise me you'll send us an owl as soon as you get there, okay? Harry nodded, his eyes shining with excitement under his flaming Weasley hair. He kissed Hermione and hugged Ron and then sprinted over to the train and scrambled aboard. Ron put his arms around Hermione as the train began moving, steam billowing out of it as it always had. Hermione looked around at Ron, who appeared to be lost in thought. She didn't need to ask what he was thinking about. They were both lost in memories of their first ride on the Hogwarts Express. As the train began to pick up speed, he spotted his son in the compartment on the back of the train. A tear ran down his cheek. He could almost see himself in the same spot many years ago, asking little Harry Potter if he could see his scar. Hmm. So in this one, I guess presumably Harry died. But the rest of this is like spot on to the actual epilogue. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm... I would, I God, I wish there was a way to like follow up with with some of these posters. Like, hey, did you did you read the real ending? What did you think? And how did you get? How did you? Because this is pre leak. That is, a, I was worried that like a bunch of these would be people talking around the leaked version. Mm-hmm. But this is all a week before the leak happened, as far as I can tell. So, hmm, interesting. Interesting. Oh, okay. I lied. I have one more for you because this is short and it's hilarious. Yeah. I I scrolled down and saw this one. As Harry saw the flash of green light, he awoke on a strange island. He had no idea where he was until he saw a sign which read, Welcome to the island of Madagascar. (laughs) Got a jokester on our hands. They got a little prankster. We got another prankster here this time. I thought maybe this person um, predicted the purgatory, but they... Uh, just had Harry go and join the cast of Lost on Lost. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, well, I could keep reading these forever, but we should probably leave it until next week to return to the endings. What do you say? 
Uh, yes, yes. I, lo- I love all of the ideas uh, that are in these. But they're, they're, they are so beautiful. But we should probably take it to the close. Our theme song is Haunt McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use it as our theme song. You can catch them at Bandcamp, and you can find us at patreon.com slash streetcast. We have so much bonus content there for you. We watched uh, Taylor Lautner movies. We've read John Green books. We talk about visual novels. We got we got a lot of stuff going on. We're talking about Twilight uh, soon on there. So lots and lots of fun stuff there for you, all for the low, low price of $3. And Liz, what are we reading next week? Um, I must confess that during our break, I moved my book <laughs> down in front of okay, me. Okay, hold on. I will. Okay, I, our... Well, I pulled up the chapters. Okay, all right, all right. But it's also on wikiquote.org, so I don't, <laughs> don't know if I can trust it. As far as I know. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? Okay, Uh-oh. this is not a joke. I'm on wikiquote.org. It has all the chapters and it skips chapter nine. It, so, um, chapter- <laughs> let me try again. Okay. Nope, this is my job. Yep. Now I'm on wikibooks.org. Okay. We are going to read chapter nine, A Place to Hide. Hey, there it is. <laughs> Which, as far as I can tell, based on going to wikiquote.org, there's going to be no quotes in that one. Oh, uh-oh. No quotes, so, huh? That's no, little, no, no highlights, no nothing. No, That's nothing. Also, it's there's nothing for chapter nine. There's nothing for chapter 10. It just goes eight to 11. <laughs> wow, that bodes well, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, please, please read another book. Please read another book. There's a lady there makes ocean rolls seem tame. But I know what you're after if you catch her eye. Because this hot mama... It's just a cat in disguise.